me lovers it's episode 428 of conversation street with me Gemma, and me michael and we're talking about episodes of coronation street broadcast in the uk between the 20th and the 24th of july which episode numbers is that 10,090 and 10,002 10,092 it was a spoiler free podcast and i'm in a good mood Gemma has just finished completing her 200th issue of the magazine that she writes for give a round of applause uh, Gemma, please Congratulations, um, 200 issues in the can. The jolly good, jolly good. I'm not a writer. <laughs> you do some writing, I believe. I do some writing. And you drag, you don't, what else do you do? Reading? Everything else. Dragging pictures around in boxes. No, you don't do that. You don't know but what I do, do you? I've, I've got no idea what you do. You get me free video games to review it occasionally, so that's all good. I'm free. I did 200 issues. <laughs> do you know? Here's that to is, 200 more. Did you know that is more? And every single other magazine of its type ever published in the UK times two. Is it? If you, if you added them all up end to end, they still would have to do it twice to beat me. I like how you said magazines of its type like yeah. it's some secret shame. Whatever. <laughs> what is it? Some are, kind you of... trying to, are you deliberately trying to annoy me because I am on the precipice? <laughs> no. I, I'm feeling quite manic at the moment. I'm happy now, but I, this could turn to anger very quickly. Fine, fine. This is just a warning. <laughs> Coronation Street was good this week, wasn't it? That was good. So I'm looking forward to oh, chatting about that later. Oh, Jeff and Yasmin. Um, Speaking of. Yes. Oh, yes. We've got an interview with Shelley King on today's There's podcast. There's so much good stuff going <laughs> so, around here. How could we, how we, we get this far start? into the podcast without mentioning it? If you haven't listened to the interview with Shelley King yet and you like that sort of thing, and why the hell why did you not, then why get on over you? there. Where? YouTube, of course. Or... <laughs> The internet your, where you can get your podcasts, feed. your podcast feed. That's exactly right. I'm going to give an interview because I had a lovely, lovely chat with um, with Shell back on uh, Monday morning, which was before all of this week's drama and Corey started. I, I almost wish I'd um, kind of left it. A little you know bit, what? So if you're, you about but this. the thing is, if you're ever going to do an interview with somebody about an ongoing storyline, at any point you could say, "Oh, there's always going to be." Yeah, yeah, no. so, it was also, awesome. Yeah, and it was a video interview as well. My second video interview for the podcast. I'm getting into this YouTuber's group right and proper now. I'll tell you, you're going to be a proper YouTuber. You even do the like, like and subscribe thing, don't you? Sometimes I do. I, it does still. It still feels incredibly cheesy doing that. What I haven't said is ring that bell to make sure that you get notified of Conversation Street's YouTube videos. And you also haven't said, don't sad. forget. To Follow me on TikTok for more fun and frolics. I do not say that. I certainly don't say that. Anyway, yeah, it was um, it was lovely speaking to Shelley, and um, we, we spoke for about half an hour or so. Um, she's such a, such a great lady. She really, really is lovely. Um, and yeah, go go and listen to that if you haven't listened to it yet, or you can listen to this first. It's up to you. Just don't miss out. Don't it's miss out. Good, Gemma. Don't get FOMO. Quiz me, please. I've been. I, I've had two weeks on the chart now where the quiz has You've not been, been so well for me. You I hope you've been picking enjoy... me some easier questions. No, I did this last night at about three o'clock in the morning. What? So Is that before might... or after Abby brung, uh, brought a dead bird into the house? Uh, you know, this is very controversial, don't you? That you, sh- you shouldn't allow your pet to go outside in some countries. Oh, like I know. In America, they think it's the coyotes. Cool. It's cruel to let cats outside, but in this country, it's cruel to keep them in. It's cruel to the birds to let you out, the well, cat outside at night, as, as Mr. Blackbird you, found out last you night. You say no. So she wouldn't like a bell. I don't care. Well, Michael, look, you brought it up. You brought it up for some reason. Sorry, sorry, Listen, quiz. Listen, this is the quiz. Things that... You know, I told you I was on the edge. I'm tipping over. <laughs> you better do well in this quiz. I'm going to be very cross. Okay, okay. 
20th to the 24th of July, years ending in a zero and a five. This is sourced from conversationstreet.fandom.com. No, it's not. It's coronationstreet.fandom.com. Changed it. There's a whole wiki about us. Somebody posted on the Facebook group this week about um, getting the names mixed up, didn't they? Coronation Street and Conversation Street. We all do it. And, you know, I said ages ago I would actually really like it if we could get our own Wikipedia page and we still don't have one. We're not allowed to do it ourselves. Just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> 20th of July, 1970. Right, serious now. Serious. Elsie okay. Tanner accepts Alan's proposal of marriage on the second time of asking, but how many years would their marriage last? Oh. That's right. Oh. I was inspired at three o'clock in the morning. Oh. That's too hard a question. How, what, well, how long ago was this? 1970 that that happened. I'm going to say that their marriage lasted a good... Uh, six years? Eight. <sighs> zero. 20th of Eight July, zero. 1990. Steve runs off in the night with his girlfriend to elope in the Lake District. Yes. What was his girlfriend's name? Oh, it was Flick Khan, wasn't it? No, no, it was, it was Flick Khan's sister. Zero. It was her sister. Oh! I don't remember what the sister was called. Joanne. Joanne Khan. What mode of transport do they use? <sighs> <laughs> oh, while they're at the Lake District? Boat. On the way to the Lake District? To elope. To, elope, <sighs> to get out of the street, they use a mode of transportation. It can't have been a car then, otherwise that would be too obvious. This was one of the episodes that I didn't see because I had a bad luck. I'm just I'm getting sorry. my excuses in. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, I was in a classic curry bag backlog a now few years paying, ago, and I skipped some um, motorbike. Who's motorbike? Jim's motorbike. Yes. yes. Well done. All these excuses. One out of three. Twentieth of July, two thousand. Kieran McCarthy fights with Charlie Stubbs over the way he's treating Shirley Unwin. But which character did Kieran originally have a friendship with before he appeared in the show? And how did they meet? I think it was Michelle that he had a friendship with. And they worked together on the cruise ships. Oh, I wasn't looking for that answer. What were you looking for? Peter, because they're in the Navy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he... Did, did he have a friend with Michelle? I wasted that what a, um, fantastic Keith Duffy impression. What a coincidence it would have been. I don't think he did have a friendship with Michelle. I, I think, think that's he, what he was going to do. He was going to... Have, he, oh, weren't, weren't they blimey. engaged and then they were going to go off together? I said the word ship. Do I get a quarter of a point for that? Absolutely not. <sighs> Tell you what, it's I'm doing terrible. ship today. I don't I? know what is wrong with you. Oh. I know what it is. I know you it turned, You've turned 37. It is, it is. I think there is a correlation, or a correlation, between my doing awfully at this quiz. we could do a segment correlation, couldn't we? <sighs> where we make links. Come on, come on, come on. 21st of July, 1965. Who fires... You're going to get this wrong, but now you might get it right. Who fires Elsie from her job at Gamma Garments and where does she go after that? (gasps) Right. The owner of Gamma Garments back then was Mr Papagopoulos. Was it him? Uh, You know, no, no. I'm going to say it was him. No. It was Mr Papagopoulos. No, it isn't. No, Uh, what? Emily. Emily Fider, <sighs> very uncharacteristic. Oh, un- where does she go? Yeah, I don't think you'll get this one either. Oh, this is bad. No idea. No bloody clue. <laughs> I'm getting on the edge now. The lawn dryer. The lawn dryer? Lawn dryer. It's spelled like laundry. <sighs> the lawn dryer. You're going to get this one, Michael. 
You're going to get I've this I've got one. One, just one right yep, so far. at five. You're going to get this How many is left? Just be quiet. 22nd of July, 1970. Alan and Elsie are married at a register office after wandering around a park to incidental music. I know that. What do... <laughs> is the answer a cowboy hat? What did the bride wear? <laughs> a cowboy hat. Yeah, a grey suit and a cowboy hat. My favourite wedding outfit. 22nd of July, 1985. Who did the Duckworths fight with in the Rovers over Terry getting Andrea pregnant? Who did they fight with? Yeah. Um, the other Claytons, Mr and Mrs Clayton. Why did you say the other Clayton? Because Andrea's a Clayton. Yeah, well, the Duckworths were fighting with people. Yeah, the Duckworths fighting with the Claytons. Yeah. Yes. Why? I don't know what their first and surnames are. How does this event link with Gemma Winter? Mm. Because yeah. one of the Clayton sisters was played by yes. Jane Hazelgrove. Yeah, what's that got to do with anything? He plays Bernie Winter, Gemma's mum. Yeah, you got it. What was the name of Andrew? That's a correlation. Yes, I, that's what I had in mind when I said it. <laughs> right. Um, what was the name of Andrea's child? Paul Clayton. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm on the way up. I'm coming back. You still never get over having having got four wrong. I can't believe I didn't get that one about Kieran McCarthy. can't believe you don't know who Joanne Kahn is. Shut up. 22nd of July, 2005. Why does Kieran leave the street? 2005? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it's slightly related. Is it 2005? I think... All right, I'm just going to say, he proposed to Sunita and she turned him down. No. You can't stand how Charlie treats Shelley. We already had the clue earlier in the question. Oh, my gosh. It'll be a funny thing, a way for you to get revenge, would be next year, you ask me these quiz questions. Yeah. And I won't be able to know the answers. Yeah, the exact questions. You've you've got them all saved, haven't you, on the computer? 23rd of July. (laughs) That would be really funny. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of you. I'm going to kick you out of the podcast. 23rd of July, 1975. I'd just say you don't have it that way. <laughs> I wouldn't even know. <laughs> You'd just ad-lib it, wouldn't you, and make a better show than me with all my copious notes. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know how to upload it to the internet. <laughs> I'd be like, right, everybody, I'm going to have to email you the file. <laughs> 23rd of July. I'd have to make the file. No, I could get off my voice memos. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there. <laughs> 23rd of July, 1975. Albert Tatlock has an operation to remove some shrapnel that he got during the in the war. Where mm. is it located? In his bum. Yeah. I'm sure asked a question about that last week, but I don't mind. I'm I'm any I'm always consistent. Go on, go on, go on. Twenty third of July, two thousand. Audrey Roberts is reunited with an old friend, Gladys Braithwaite. Huh? What? I don't know who that is. Audrey Roberts is reunited with an old what, what friend. What year is this? Twenty third of July, two thousand. Okay. Audrey Roberts is reunited with an old friend, Gladys Braithwaite, at a surprise party, but they fall out. What does Gladys reveal? <sighs> what does Gladys reveal? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> you must just guess something. Um, party, surprise party. What party? A surprise party for a birthday. Uh, Audrey's lied about her age all this time. Yes! Oh, yay! She's actually... 
60. She said she was 58. Oh, okay. I, I thought it's coming back to me now. I have got a vague yeah, whatever. Yeah. 23rd of <laughs> July, 2010. A secret is revealed at Audrey's 70th party. Birthday party, that should be. <laughs> but Audrey is defiant and tells everyone she doesn't care. What is the secret? So it can't be about her age no, because it was her 70th yeah. birthday party. A secret Audrey's birthday party. Mm-hmm. She doesn't that, care. She I tells that, everybody. Um, I'm going to say it's something... That sounds like it's about the time when Lovely Gay Ted was in it. Or around, is it to do with Lovely Gay Ted? What do you think she defiantly that, announced? Let's see if you can dig yourself into a hole. Lovely Gay Ted is Gail's dad and he's still alive. And, and she, he's gay. And he's gay? <laughs> no. Lewis used to be a jigger, though. Oh. I like some of the answers you've given. Yeah. They sound right. They're not, though. We should we should do one, one week where every question I get wrong, you tell me I'm right and see if you can convince the listeners that they were Rewrite getting it wrong. Or the listeners that are screaming out the right answers. Yeah, we can just edit. And we went and doubt themselves. 23rd of July, 2015. A legend in the making. This woman appears on the street looking for Tracy Barlow and she's out for blood. I know this one. Who is it? It's Joni. Would you have got that without... I don't know, but I'm glad that this was brought to my attention on Twitter this morning and I was able to make the uh, quite amazing reply that it is ironic that the fifth anniversary of Joni's appearance on Coronation Street is the fifth, which is wood. (laughs) So. Reach for the stars, I say. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, oh, my Sarah Harding. Sarah Harding. We always reckon on her. What but she you know what? what? When you can't have we? Top when was the last time we were in Coronation Street? Um, we went there last year. But you know, she she went for something. She didn't know she could do it. She was right, but she still took a chance. And I I admire her um, tenacity and uh, sheer cheek. I know. Well, I mean. There's, there's more than the other four Girls Aloud members have done. I haven't seen them on Corrie. That ginger wouldn't fit right in. True. 24th of July, 1985. Tracy begins asking questions about her surname. Lost, I, I don't remember. I, I never listened to the year, and that's quite crucial. Twen- yes, it is. 24th of July, 1985. Tracy begins asking questions about her surname. What is it? Why is my surname Langton and not yeah. Barlow? Yeah. 24th of July, 2000. I love this. I love this answer. What causes Toya to fall out of love with Spider? 24th of July, 2000. Mm-hmm. Oh, Both I, of these are quite funny. I don't know. That's not the year of the eclipse. That was 99. What uh, would that have to do with it? She was suddenly under the influence of the eclipse. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to remember something that I remember about this. Day. Um... Was it some kind of ethical... Um, what do you think? Like he's, he ate a prawn or something? No, he, he would never do that. Um, it wasn't... No, uh, don't say it wasn't. Don't ask a question. I know that he worked for the benefits office around about that point. Was it the... It's it was really that he, he quit working at the benefits office because he didn't want to work for the man. No, oh. it's more funny than that. She fell out of love with him because he tries to get a promotion. <laughs> Oh, opposite. And she's like, that's not the man I fell in love with. Can you imagine her doing that now? 24th of July, 2005, your final question. Got to redeem myself. Go on. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine out of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay. 
24th of July 2005. Sean is still trying to seduce Tim White, the vet. And I think us learning about this storyline is probably the most anyone's thought or spoken about <laughs> this since it happened. He's still trying to seduce the vet. Which animal does he pretend to own now and what happens to it? Because the last time he had a cat and it got he put did, down. Um, <laughs> this is peak Sean. Just think, don't, don't think too big. Pigeon. No. Oh. What happened to your pigeon in your imagination? Sean's pigeon. I uh, got beak rot. Beak rot. <laughs> <laughs> he got, he pretended he owned a dog and it ran away. Oh. So there you go. Another one. Another zero. Nine out of, was that 17? <sighs> Awful. It's a third, right? It's like a C. C minus. It's more than third, right? I'll have you know. Right. Okay. Then Listen, next week. It's not a maths quiz. Next week. It is my week of well, redemption. I'm going to get full marks. You've still got the quickfire quiz questions, which are sourced from Coronation Street, 150 questions and answers from the Coronation Street right. magazine. Quickfire. Fire them quickly, Gemma, with your pistol of truth. I'm not going to touch your pistol of truth. Hang on a minute. I need to find <laughs> I you were ready. No. It's not a quiz for me. It's a quiz for you. And it's not a test of how quickly I can read either. Good job, really. What was Emily Bishop's maiden name? Nugent. Who joined the Siemens Union and went to sea in 1974? What? What? Is this wrong? Is this real? Who joined the Siemens Union and went to sea in 1974? Um, Your quizzical expression is going to make me say... No, it can't... It can't be who? It can't be Peter. No, it's not Peter. Len? Al? Hilda, it says. Oh, fine. Where was Jack Walker when he died? Um, He was visiting Joan. Where? At Joan's house. Where'd she live? Down south. Derby. (laughs) Um, Where is Mike's middle name? Oh, no. Who did Elsie Tanner suspect of murdering her husband, Steve? Oh, who did she suspect? I, I thought that she... Uh, Len. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> what was Mike's middle name? Vernon. Yeah. Um, oh, God. What was the name of Len Faircloth's son? It was something like Harry. Stanley. Stanley. How did, <laughs> <laughs> How did Len Faircloth die? Car crash. What? He's dead. Uh, with which old flame did Blanche Hunt leave the street in 1976? Dave Smith. Yes. What was the name of Mike's common law wife in London? I don't know. Duh, this is bad. This is bad again. Anne Woodley. No. How did Valley, Valerie Barlow die? Air dryer. Electrocuted. <laughs> I don't even know what you got, the answers. Mostly right. I got those mostly right, I think. Birthdays. Who's got a birthday coming up this week? 25th of July, writer Brian Finch, director Haldane Duncan and Brooke Maloney plays Lily Platt. 27th of July, director Matthew Robinson, Gabriel Glaister plays Debs Brownlow, Tracy Shaw, who plays Maxine Peacock, (gasps) Julia Howarth, who plays Claire Peacock. Alexandria Mardell, who plays Emma Brooker. <gasps> Ali Mardell, the birthday coming up. Yeah. I bet she's going to have a big, pink, fluffy birthday cake. Aw, she deserves as much cake as she can eat. 
29th of July, Peter Baldwin played Derek Wilton. Bob Mason, who was Terry Bradshaw, and he also was a writer for the show. And finally, on the 31st of July, Sue Jenkins, who played Gloria Todd. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, everybody, even if it's not your birthday. Yes, indeed. Right, that's enough of that. What an embarrassing display. Shut up. Of ignorance. I'm, I'm going to turn the tables on you and I'm going to quiz you, won't we? You'll just get mad. Come on, then. I I'm taking it all I in good fun. The if I did a quiz to you, you'd get so mad. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm not doing this podcast anymore. Yeah, quit. <laughs> How did you do in the quiz, everybody? If you did better than me, don't tell me. <laughs> Let's go and do street talk. Well, well, street talk. So much to talk about. Strap yourselves in, especially if you're driving. We got stuff to say. Ah, I like that week in Coronation Street. That was brilliant. Well, tell me more. Stuff happened, Gemma. So, five things happened. (laughs) Five stories (laughs) happened, although, you know, one of them was only one scene. We're starting off with Yaz fighting. Ah, heart attack. Oh, my God. Dream sequence. Dream Amazing. sequence. <laughs> then we had Gary and Rick's story. Gary, Rick, Adam and Seth. We, I came up with loads of storyline titles for this, Gemma. Rick Havoc. <laughs> or Salvage and Rick Removal. You know what? Like, salvage and Wreck Removal, it's a thing. Wreck Removal? Yes, it's like when you dredge up a boat. Michael, don't pretend you, you, don't, you know about this other than having Googled it. <laughs> I come up with all my own puns. Yeah, salvage. Yeah, marine salvage. You came course. up with a good one. Rick rolling in his grave. There go. <laughs> I would take full credit for that one, yes. <laughs> that would make, maybe that would make your, uh, your watch come off your wrist. If you're it's shuffling only, about in there. Really the only thing that makes sense. Um, but I, I thought that what we would go with, because we just had Yaz fighting, Gaz sliding. I like Which that. Which is one. what Adam's been doing all Gas week. And, and Gary was um was slaught so much that he lost it today. There's something going on between those two, more than just a rivalry. <laughs> it's a deeper relationship than I think anyone's prepared to admit. Um, another another big revelation this week is what Daniel's been getting up to with Nikki. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Creepy. Um uh, she is dressing Tinkognito. <laughs> Get it? Tinker. Get it. Tinker. Tinker. Yeah. Or I, I also thought we could call this one Softly and Sweetly. He cuddles with Wheatley. Because that's a surname, you see. Isn't that the name of the... Scraping the bottom of the barrel here, folks. Isn't that the name of the little thing that talks to you in Portal? Wheatley is the name of the little thing that talks to you. Good reference. Thank you well very done, much, Gemma. everybody. Um, although you should have said Portal 2. Um, <laughs> we had a little bit more Sorry. of the Never the Twins Shall Meet story on Always Monday, so Wednesday close. episode. and um, Is that talking about... Um, Nikki's boobs. <laughs> Stop it. So they're perfectly natural. And I didn't say anything about that. Ooh. Um, and we had like one scene of a brewing Bailey story because she's working so hard, what with all this Who COVID is? going around, Aggie. In fact, you could say she's Bailey ever here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm drinking. Gemma's on the cider. She's got a can of cider in hand. She's got a bottle of Campari on the table. Yeah, and my Prosecco's in the fridge. As if this Baby. week's Coronation Street wasn't enough to loosen your lips with all the drama that was going on. Right, Would you like to it. do the Yaz fighting story? Oh my God, wasn't this fun, everybody? I hope everybody enjoyed these scenes. I think there's I know, I know, a potential to be a bit did. divisive on Friday, but we'll get to it. Well, even talk Monday about... and Wednesdays, because Jonathan Harvey is uh, quite a divisive rider. Yeah, writer. writer. <laughs> I've got no idea what he thinks about horses. 
it's not what he thinks, Michael. It's the way he rides him. <laughs> side saddle. It's very odd for a man to ride side saddle. Anyway, we'll talk about dream sequences in Coronation Street yes. in general in a, in a minute. What? Oh, oh, no. Wait, before we talk about Yaz fighting, I want to talk about coronavirus stuff because that that you, permeated you now? yes let's talk about it okay. now because that permeated the whole of wednesday you guys, friday's we've got episode so much to talk about you know coronation street said we'll make we'll make slight references to it when it comes back in fact no, you barely I think they a... did, no i think they did a good job because the i thing thought is, they, it was absolutely fine you will have been watching it and knowing and seeing the odd bits and bobs that inadvertently had to be added because of safety for the cast and the crew so naturally socially distancing in some of the scenes that we'd already seen mixed in with scenes that had been filmed before and then on friday it was just like a big splash of cold water on your face yes covid19 has been going on this whole time you just haven't noticed all these really obvious things that we've all been doing so i didn't mind it i thought it was fine i thought you know, I, I got my hang-up about the no-time-jump thing here, but putting that to one side, I think they they did very well. Yes, they did kind of bash you over the head with it. I'm surprised, I don't think they I'm surprised did. it's not down in that grove with Rick. I don't think they did, because honestly, think about how often you talk about or have it impacted on your everyday life what is going on. If, if, if somebody, if some aliens were to come down and watch us all going about our daily lives and they'd only been here last year, they'd be like, God, they're they going on about it a bit. They are going on about COVID. Calm down, it's only a pandemic. <laughs> Have some smash. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's just yeah. the fact that they went from, you know, not talking about it at all to... Well, no, banging on wait about a minute. It. No, they didn't bang on about it. Literally, it got mentioned... The word was mentioned today for the first time yeah, on Tim. Coronation Street. Tim got to say coronavirus. I don't know how often they're going to say the it word. It was almost Brian, except he said Corona. No, Coroner. <laughs> coroner. And also, Yasmin had a coroner. <laughs> wow. It's like they're trying to slip, slip those references in where they can. So so we had that. We had a poster in Roy's roles. We had... Tim also was um, we had rubbing his hand hands with antibacterial. Every, it was... To we me, had, I found it a bit odd that people were still socially distancing from people in their own household. Uh, but it even then, I th- I didn't think it was too bad. I no, thought the I direction was bad. very, very good, actually. They knew they had to get it right. And a lot of scenes, if they hadn't been talking about it, it wouldn't. I, I honestly don't think uh, it would have been as o- completely obvious whether it was social distancing or not. There was a one-way not. system in the... Um, uh, in, the cabin. in the cabin which was hilarious to me because why are you going to be letting that many people in the shop anyway yeah. there's no way you need a one way system but anyway that's, that was fine the, the, the first scene with um, Gary and Adam in the cafe oh, yeah. Adam was like oh keep your distance there yeah that was that was. I thought um, that was good yeah no that was fine um, this is a, I think it was all completely natural this is all things you would say yeah we're still making jokes and making references and talking about this even though it's been going on since, Ooh, like, um, March. Jenny's windows cleaner's dad's died of it. Yeah, now... Mm. First oh. casualty in Weatherfield. Yes. They should, have, they should have had that. You know how, like, how they advertised the four funerals and a wedding for the tram crash episode? It's like, someone's going to die, gonna on die of COVID on Friday. It's just the window cleaner's dad. <laughs> Uncredited, unseen. Yeah, the, the brother of that poor taxi driver in the tram oh, crash. Sad. So sad. <laughs> um, what else was there? I can't remember. There, there were other things, but no. those were the main things. It it, were, it was fine, and it felt, you know, for the first time in a long time, you know, fairly relevant and up to date and modern. When Coronation Street usually shies away from all that, don't they? They don't usually reference things that are going on in real life. 
so it no. was odd for them to do it. No, it wasn't I, odd. No, I, I, I thought they did a good job. I still, I still think and wish they could have done a time they jump. They could have done a time jump after the, today's episode, I think. They could have done a time jump. I mean, the, the Yasmin um, has uh, trials now being postponed again, presumably, so that could have, you know... No, I don't think they're going to postpone it. They're just going to wheel her in the hospital bed <laughs> and go, look, it's a pandemic. This is unprecedented times. It's fine to have cart patients in the... In uh, the I mean, court. as much as Adam won't let go of Gary at the moment... The fact that Gary's had his little meltdown, he could be like, right, I need to calm, calm things down and, you know, not be so blatantly obvious about things at well, the moment. Well, I mean, it's no good talking about how we would have done a time jump because they haven't done one. And no. you've got to deal with it, Michael. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, going once next week starts, I won't even be thinking about exactly, it. Exactly. That's the thing. It would have it would have made sense and it would have plugged some gaps and, you know, cemented over some cracks and whatever. But when we start on Monday, it will, like, it's going to be a new week. We'll be like ducks to water. Yeah. Everything's going to be as it should be. What are baby think. ducks called again? Goslings. Oh, yeah, goslings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, totally. Although the, the one thing that did stand out as being a bit weird was um, Bernie and Brian being in a car together. I didn't think you were allowed to go in cars together. I don't think that they formed a bubble. Maybe they're in each other's bubble. I don't think they're allowed to be in each other's bubble. Why not? Because you can only be in a, a house bubble if you're where you can team up with a one you make it sound like a one person group. in teaming up with a bubble. I don't with think anyone family. cares anymore. And there's definitely more than one person living in Bernie's house. No, they're all plastic now. People don't care anymore, and I'm seeing a lot of intermingling of bubbles out on the streets and what yeah. have you. But we, I've been streets should be setting an example. I've Even seen Bernie. people in each other's bubbles. It's disgusting. I know, totally. Uh, but today was the first day that face masks are mandatory. In shops and in closed spaces in the yes, UK. Yes, I went in to England, Sainsbury's I mean. today with my face mask on. Yes. Did my bit. Yeah, you did. And now you can wear your horribly misspelled mask. I can crack out the old Corrie mask, can't I? I, yeah. haven't, I haven't worn that one in public yet. We should do some Corrie Street ones. For the shame of people noticing the American spelling. But oh, we could do Conversation Street masks, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. But um, I so that I, wasn't in the show, but they wouldn't, couldn't have known that. No, no, everything's going to be a little bit behind. I mean, things like, you know, the school's going back. I don't know, uh, where, are they, where are we at the moment? So they're, they're probably, possibly filming early de- December, early September now, um, where characters, where, where Ruby and, I really and Hope don't and Jack and that lot are going to school, so they could make... No, but they, they, they could do, couldn't they? I know, but if I was, and right, and if and I was and trying to plan... And something has been set in place, so we know how schools are going to be. Wouldn't you... Yeah, but, Anything can change, anything can change. Mm. Imagine what you'd think if you were in January now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was fine. And, and I really, really did think the directing was on point today. And, and, I and not... really loved the... Can we just talk about what happened? We, yes, right. right so this story. is ten minutes in and we're going to start to tell you what happened. On Monday... <laughs> they've watched it, they know what happened. On Monday, in the cafe... So this is all pre. So Monday and Wednesday are pre-lockdown, but you've got to pretend that. What well, just do what you want in your own brain. I I have no business being in there. In the cafe on on Monday, Jeff is persuading Brian to tune into his radio show, his hospital radio show, and this was the other thing I learned that was interesting to me on our Facebook group. Americans do not know what hospital radio is and do not have it in their country. This is very odd to me because I thought I would have thought 
that they would have it. I just thought it would be a you know, standard thing. Yeah, but I guess they Universal. don't have free healthcare, so they've got to worry about paying for the bills. And if you're worrying maybe, about how you're going to pay for it... Maybe they do have hospital radio, they have hospital radio, but it's like $100 an hour. And <laughs> nobody's <laughs> ever actually listened to it. Yeah, so... I've already had to pay for the... Oh, I think shout it's out fairly, for the ambulance. I'm not listening to Jeff on the radio. I think it's fairly obvious from watching what you have seen on Coronation Street, what a hospital radio is. It's just... I don't even think you get paid, do you? It's usually, I think a lot I of them know. are volunteers. It was obviously more relevant back in the day when you didn't have any mm. Thank goodness Jeff's raking it in with his um, magic tricks. <laughs> um, back in the old days, if you want to listen to hospital radio, you had to put earphones in that look a bit like stethoscopes, like big plastic ones. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Right, so he is talking to Brian about his radio show, saying listen to it later... And Brian is surprised that he, that um, Jeff is... What? Oh, no, yeah, so that Jeff is defending Yasmin in court. Because Jeff, at this point, he's done a bit of a, a turnaround, hasn't he? He's done a 180. Yeah. He said, I still love her, my darling Yaz. And, but, but then he finds out from Brian that Sally is going to be called as a witness for the defence. He is absolutely flabbergasted. And he's like, oh, thank the Lord I got my radio show today. What has he got up his sleeve? Very interesting question. Um, probably either like one of those fake bouquets or a string of flags or a <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> a dead dove. <laughs> right, then we see Yasmin in prison and she has got this meeting with the charity woman called Lucy. No, Elaine. Lucy's her... Lucy's her friend. Yes. She tells her Lucy... prison friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know about them. She tells that this charity woman's coming to visit and she wants to... Um, she's not really sure about it she doesn't really know um if she really needs anyone to speak to if Jess going to admit to what he's done and she because she's kind of dithering Lisa's like I think you should still talk to her anyway then we see Alia worrying that Yasmin is going to be right back under Jeff's spell again if whatever he says in court gets her to come home and then Imran and Toya start talking about fostering again and Toya's like shut up she says do you mind if we don't what, foster or talk about it? Both. Both. <laughs> then we see Radio Hospital, Weatherfield, whatever it is, and Jeff is being such an arse. If anybody watch, I was just, I just, I just said to you, if you, if you watch Grand Agent Street, you pretty much know how hospital radio works. But now I'm going to retract that completely because there's no way you go on air and talk about your personal life to the extent that Jeff, you just play. This was his requests. first day back, wasn't it? After his. Um... After his hospital trip. I don't know how many people are in hospital for such a length of time that they get to have a deep and close personal relationship with a hospital DJ. I know. Um, he was like, oh, thanks for all the letters and, and emails. And to be text. honest, and he's he had like in his two, hands, <laughs> two yeah, about two. So he has returned from work. Everybody knows Everybody knows that he has been stabbed in the neck by his wife. All these long-term patients. Um, and he's laying the sob story on thick, saying, I'm going to set the record straight and Ryan is also listening to to Jeff because Brian's got it on the radio in the um, cabin, yeah. already quadrupling the amount of listeners that, <laughs> that Jeff gets on this. And he is really is furious. He said, what a piece of work. Brian defends Jeff saying that actually it was, it was Yasmin that stabbed him. And Ryan says, well, don't you think something really pushed her to it? I don't understand why Ryan said this to Brian because Brian knows from Kathy what the other side of the story is. I don't know why we had that line at all because Brian should know that Brian knows 
the ins and outs of it. And also, Brian, I don't know why Brian's buying this. Anyway, Brian tells Sally about Jeff talking about forgiveness on the radio. And he also lets it slip that he told Jeff that she's going to be a witness and she's not really happy about this. The cliffhanger on Monday is Yasmin going to meet her visitor and it turns out she is not a lady from a charity. She is, she says, I used to be you. She is Jeff's ex-girlfriend. Yes. Or wife. We or don't know. Jeff's ex. She's very cagey about it and Yasmin doesn't really press her. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I used to be, go out with Jeff and Yasmin's like, just in the interests of Quiripedia, could you tell me when so I can fill it out? She says, she says Yasmin does say on Wednesday, like, which, which one are you or something? And she... She doesn't say, because I, I, I think they don't really want to set in stone what, what went on yet. Yeah, so there's going to be a big reveal with I hope, that, I'm I, sure, d- I but... don't know whether there's going to be a reveal, because I think you don't really need to know. I think the point I that Coronation Street is making... Yeah, but I'm seeing it from a different perspective. I think Coronation Street is making out that Yasmin has Jeff's history of his, his lovers and wives or whatever... But actually, it's a load of rubbish, and everything he's told her about how many girlfriends he's had is a lie. So when she says which one, it's irrelevant which one because they're all fictional, or you know what I mean? Like he could have said, "I only ever had three girlfriends, and I married what?" You know what I mean? It's I, a load of rubbish. I think. Uh, I I do not think that. I'll tell you later. We'll we'll, we'll get on. All to right. It. So Wednesday, <laughs> Yasmin says. Were you one of Jeff's escorts? And um, Elaine's like, oh, no, but thank you. <laughs> she sweet. didn't say that, but she no, should have done. She says, no, but I heard about your case and I used to be controlled by Jeff too. And she lists off all the things he did. Isolated me from my family, controlled me, made me think I'm an alcoholic. And he even drew crosses on the wall to show me where to, to clean. And he said he had a heart complaint and it was all a load of lies. At this point, Yasmin must be just struggling to take this in mm. because it's one thing I, I it's one thing to be abused like this but it's quite another thing to realize you're just one in a long line of people yeah and it's one thing because to have Alia what, telling you that yeah this is what he's doing but then to actually hear it from somebody else who's been through it but don't forget part of how jeff controls her is by making her think she's special mm. and, and he loves her deeply but he's just done this to someone else as well mm. anyway um jeff has a showdown with Sally in the street where he tells her I know you're going to slag me off in court that's not very nice for her then we go back to the hospital and Elaine's just saying that yes (laughs) Jeff is capable of violence we will cure your criminality Uh, Yasmin says you must go because Jeff has never raised a hand to me Uh, I'm not listening to anything else you said you say and Elaine says listen if you don't don't want to listen to anything I said Go to the library and find all the books on coercive control and read them because knowledge is power. So she goes away, leaves her. Lucy then goes and brings her a book. And Yasmin doesn't really want to read it, but I think I think she does in the end. Um, Tim, uh, Jeff is alone in his house and Tim brings him some crispy pancakes. Now that is a, a primed tea, isn't it? That idea, yeah, I mean... Yeah, lovely. A man with a healthy appetite and a, uh, that's a what Jeff said would be more welcome than a singer in the Spice Girls, which just made me hate Jeff even more. That was a second quite frankly. Wasn't that the second Spice there Girls? There were two reference? Spice Girls references in Wednesday's episode. So he's still relevant, Gemma. They still got it. I didn't say they weren't. <laughs> Yasmin phones Jeff. Oh, crispy pancakes. I used to be, they used to be like a staple when I was growing up. Finless crispy really pancakes, Bird of Matthews, Golden Drummers, Mini Kievs. 
We never Alpha ate bites. things like that in my house. Oh. It's because I was an only child. It's like, why would they buy child food? I just ate grown-up food. <laughs> There's no age limit to having Finder's crispy pancakes. Well, we know that Look, now, don't we? Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> they are nice. <laughs> they the beef are. ones are nice. Yes, well, there we go. We I, guess, I guess people who are in different countries don't know what crispy pancakes are. They're just like folded over... Pancakes. They're not really pancakes, they're though, not are, really, they? are they? They're like... What is it? It's like some know. kind of dough that's breaded or something folded it's over it's got breadcrumbs on the outside and then it? you bake it in the oven and then when you eat it inside it's either got cheese or and ham i think no or like just mincy beef they're just cheese i don't think there's ham I don't we'll know have to do that. some research for this next podcast sorry everybody for not preparing in advance yeah about knowledge of 80s pan- cuisine in this crispy pancakes oh they're lovely with some nice waffles all those little smiley oh, yeah, face birds over potato <laughs> waffles they're waffly versatile <laughs> Shut up! We digress. Be quiet. Yaz phones up Jeff and Tim leaves so that Jeff can talk in private and he immediately starts talking about how wonderful she is, how lucky he is to have her and eventually she says what I just said to you. Shut up! Yeah! She says, shut up, Jeff. Oh, that next scene. Oh, and you were so funny when you talked to me about this later because you were like, she's so funny. She's such a librarian that she can't even insult him properly. No offence to librarians. Michael's mum was a librarian and... um. He's still they're all it. saints. They're all they 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 are lovely, gentle, kind, non-violent people. So Yasmin's best insult that she can crack out to him was, "He is as funny as a car she, crash." Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're as funny as a car crash. Yeah, <laughs> um, like she she literally she can't make a good insult. <laughs> she really can't, and uh, she's Look so at all sweet. That Shakespeare she must have read. She's got an English degree. She could have called him swine. Is that your best Shakespearean insult? Pox on you. <laughs> well, she's, he's given her the pox. <laughs> she has. You gave me the pox, you swine. Anyway, he tells, tells him about her visitor, someone he was in a relationship with, and he is shaken by this. He was not expecting to get this information. Um, she accuses him of lying about his exes and how they treated him and jeff challenges her immediately oh you're gonna believe some random woman's word over mine and she says correct you manipulated me and i fell for it fell for it and i shan't again and she also said something like oh whether i am found guilty if i found guilty or not i'll never have to sleep with you <laughs> I know. it's like oh yes me <laughs> that's not the best thing she didn't even say anything like i would never shag you in a million years <laughs> did she Again, she knows she's, she's very sweet. She's very sweet. Um, she, yeah, she's she's basically saying, I'm never going to come back to you. It doesn't matter if I'm felt guilty or not. I'll stay in prison. I don't care. I never, it doesn't matter because I never have to be around you again. And then Jeff says, what time is it? And she says, oh, it's um, nearly eight o'clock. And he says, your choice, bitch. <laughs> That's right. I'm the only one that gets to say that word one time. He said it on the magic box scene as well. It is funny because like, you know, you watch normal TV and they throw her a lot worse around. But oh, then when yeah. Coronation Street does crack out the old bitch, it's like, oh, oh it goodness. has more of an impact than a... I can just know, imagine the... four-letter words. In my mind, I imagine the Ofcom person is like this this lady with a, a severe bun and, like, glasses on a string. And she's got a piece of paper in front of her. And she hears the word bitch and she... Her, like, her eyes narrow and her lips purse and she gets her pen and she, like, does a one. And, I and think she sits there say, and she's waits. She's got a tally chart Like, when is, when is the next... You better not say that again. You get one. One bitch per one episode. One per season. <laughs> and, you're, and you're on one... You're still on the first season of Coronation Street. We, we, let, we let Elsie and um, 
Janet get away with it on that 1970s episode of Coronation Street. Well, we Mary Whitehouse came down on us like a ton of bricks. So you watch yourself. He says, your choice, bitch. Get used to that. View from your window because you're going to be in that prison for a very, very long time. Then, that must have played in her mind because Friday's episode begins with a dream sequence. And it's not immediately apparent it's a dream sequence. We start with a very muted grey palette. There may be a little bit of strange camera work because it zooms in on her face. It's a bit higher than it normally would be. She... She's shuffling through into the common area of the prison and she she gets given her breakfast and this familiar sounding voice. She looks up and it's Jeff there wearing a prison guard's uniform. And then he sort of like... Doesn't he have a, his ma- a mask on? Yes, he pulls a mask face. off. And then we Ba-dum. look up to the balcony, uh, like above, and there's another two Jeffs over there as well. Oh my God, surrounded by Jeffs. Can't think of anything worse. Basically, he just kind of said, what does he say? I'm a ghost. I'm spooky, spooky dream man. He's just like, you're going to be trapped in here with me forever or something. And he does his little, he does his poof into the great Magnifico, doesn't he? Yeah, I liked it. There there was a bit of a a sort of um, a lag on the camera, like a bit of a kind of a, I don't know what you call it when it's kind of like. It's. It's to do with the film Blurry. stock or the or the FPS or something like that. I, I thought know, it was I great. Understand I understand that people probably didn't like it, but should we talk, should we talk about it? We'll talk about this right. now. Yeah. Okay. okay, we're talking about it now. Yeah. Okay. I, I love the dream sequence, and I know that some people might be surprised by this, but I've. I mean, Corey, Corey has done three dream sequences in recent years, to my mind. There's the Pat Phelan one where Andy was asleep dreaming about him and he was. Um, being buried by all these giant pats. No, he wasn't being buried by giant pats. He was um, Pat was with him on the street, wasn't he? And he was swinging Chasing at him with a him. plank. And he kept wasn't knocking it? down Pat. And then... Um, wasn't there another one? I'm sure that there were two Pat feeling dream sequences. Was there one? Anyway, I there's that. I can remember Pat sitting up in bed once. There was that, anyway. There was also the one with, uh, with Gemma where she just dreamt about putting the babies in the washing machine, which was earlier this year. Although I like the dream sequences, I was like, I don't need more than one every couple of years, so watch out Coronation Street. And then, don't do any more. And then there was this one. They're, they're only effective of... when they're not done very often. Yeah, yeah. Although uh, th- this one and the Gemma one were both effective in that you, it takes a little while to realise that this is a dream sequence. But yeah, I've because current because Coronation Street is like we do this now. My, yeah. In my brain, it's like deal with it. Okay, okay. But if I if if I put aside my usual hatred of all things wibbly wobbly with the camera and the music, I thought they were great. And having all the Jeffs there was fantastic next to each other. I just he's just got such a smackable face that Jeff <laughs> hasn't he? And and he, he just, and, and he, the gleeful look at this slimy like ah you're in here with me pa ta da you know. He's just, oh, he, he's I also, vile. I love the fact that he was like, you don't have to socially distance when it's yourself. Ha ha ha. I yeah. can be as close as I want. That's maybe, right. Maybe that's how they can get away with some of the, uh, the social distancing issues. Just, I was just saying it was just a dream. Just split screen it or whatever it is they do it these days. Yeah, oh, it, it, was a, it was a really great dream sequence, oh, I thought. forgot to say that the last scene of Wednesday's episode when they were on the phone together was another split screen one. And this, to me, justified the other two that I really did not like. Yeah, same. Because it because we had established it as a as a way that they were using to tell the story, but the only time I I thought it was effective was in this scene when 
Jeff's mask began to slip and you could see him struggling to react to what she was saying and not really knowing how to play the game to win her back. Mm. I think it worked very, very well. And and I think, yeah, if they hadn't that done it the... last week, it might have caught, caught me off guard and I would have yeah. been too focused on all oh, of these grit screen. I hate it when they do things like this in Coronation Street. But you didn't Wednesday, need it in like, the other two. Okay, they're doing it again. Let's just focus on what they're saying. Oh, this is a great script. Yeah. Oh, look at, their, look at their reactions. So I, I, to to I totally well. bought it. Um, yeah. yeah, very, very And it very also sets done. up an easy way, oh, not that they need to do this because they wouldn't be in the same room, but to film... Phone calls. Why am I talking about it? Socially distanced phone calls, <laughs> as all phone calls are. Yeah. <laughs> Never right. Mind. So, that, so that yeah. So they had a bit of fancy, weird camera stuff and um, different things that they were playing around with with this story. So the dream sequence and the split screen telephone calls were two of those. Well, these worked this week, I thought, but I understand some people won't like them. Um. So. Tim at the Metcalfs is worried about... Is he going to be on the stand? He's worried about Paula interrogating... Yeah. I think I think Tim's going either to be him or saying Jeff. that he was going to be questioned about that. And um, also the fact that his wife's going to be a witness for the other side, which really admittedly doesn't look good for the family. Mm. Jeff comes in and um, Jeff has totally changed his tune. I think Tim is a bit surprised at his... Yeah, another the, flip. Last, because yeah, last, last time he heard... He was going on about how wonderful Jasmine was and how it wasn't her fault. And now he's like, let's get the cow. Um, yeah, he's done the total vault fast, hasn't he? What? Vault fast. It's I've French. never heard that in my life. Vault fast? Yes, it means... It's turning around, isn't it? It's like doing a 180. All right. Uh, <laughs> Bow down before my magnificent vocabulary. Okay. Um, he does mention worry, worrying about there being a surprise witness. So he's he's trying to lay a foundation so that people aren't going to be surprised when or if this woman mm. turns up at court. Yeah, because he says, he oh, yeah, what if, what if somebody comes and, and, and you know what these what these lawyers are like? They're, yeah. they're sneaky, they're going to jump. I mean, it, it kind of does still make him look bad because if he's truly, truly innocent, then no surprise witness is going to be able no, to... I know. And also, nobody is that bothered about someone that they would ju- deliberately go to court on someone else's behalf who they don't even know just to stitch them up no well some people are I guess but you'd have to be a complete psychopath I'm hoping that it's partly been put in there to get although I don't think there was that much of a reaction from Tim but it just might be something that when the penny starts to drop for him he'll go oh yeah he was a bit weird about about this last week as well I don't know Ryan and Jenny are talking in the back of the Rovers it's nice to see Jenny again he was asking if he could go to court, and um, this is when we find out the window cleaner's dad has died of COVID, so hope those seals on the windows are good when he comes to actually wash it for real. <laughs> we had the window cleaner come round again today, didn't we? Yes. To watch him. I just handed him cash. I know. He never wears a mask. He doesn't. Were you going to say something else? No. Yasmin tells Imran about Elaine. Oh, yeah, Imran's going to visit her in prison. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I think that was one place where the distancing looked a bit off because Yasmin's sitting there no, one side not, of the table no. and Imran was stood a bit far back. No, because they're supposed to be socially distanced. Oh, yeah. Silly. Good job, child, Mello. Excellent social distancing. And Dave, security guard. Yes. So, the, yeah, this is where this is where it's going to start to get a bit mind-bending, isn't it? When you're 
got into your brain that there's they shouldn't be socially distancing from each other because they're in a family unit but then it switches to someone else who should be socially distancing yeah. so you've got to be careful about yeah and then they just throw bernie and brian getting into a car together and it's all right if you uh, if you wind the windows down maybe they they've going got a, to a, a castle. plastic screen they're going to a castle <laughs> to check their so eyes um all right so yeah so yeah yasmin in prison telling socially distance imran about Elaine Jones, who has come to talk to her. And Imran's very excited because that means they could have another witness. And he does make a big point of saying about what it is that they are going to do and what their strategy is, don't they? He yeah, says, he's just getting very excited about it. No, no, but we've we've pondered about what, what the court case is going to be like. And I've said, you know, um, a few times about, oh, what's really going on here? What's the trial about? Mm. Etc. Etc. But he says, if we can use her to prove that he was abusive, yeah, then we can, yeah, get you off. Exactly. Very very excited by this, and then she goes and spoils the mood by collapsing in front of him. She got overexcited. That's what <laughs> happened. She collapses on the floor. Then we have a street scene where Elaine is cowering around the corner watching Jeff and Tim get into the car as Ryan washes the windows. And Alia runs over to Ryan and says that Yasmin has collapsed and then Elaine kicks the bucket. <laughs> In surprise. Literally. She, she kicks the bucket and runs away. Uh, I don't know what... I don't know what the point of that was. I don't know why she needed to be there. Or no, anything. I don't know why either, but perhaps we'll find out at a later point. I mean, Ryan saw her, didn't he? Yeah. And he's obviously related to the story, so he's going to say, oh, yeah, there was some weird-looking woman creeping she around the corner. She wasn't weird-looking. She was nice-looking. She was, she was, you know, she was acting, acting strangely. Suspicious. Suspiciously, yeah. yeah. So, Jeff and Yasmin storm back home. Jeff and Tim storm back home later, and Jeff is totally convinced that she's faked a heart attack to buy time. And Tim's like, oh, I wonder if she's got that coronavirus it's like score i get to say it first on coronation street <laughs> ryan and alia go to the hospital together and alia's been told it is a heart attack and she is uh, beside herself worrying what happens if she loses another family member she's misplaced so many already i think that she speaks on behalf of all coronation street viewers here where she does we don't want alia to be the last nazir standing that's just not fair on us that'd be cruel beyond belief Ryan reminds her that Yasmin is strong. Because <laughs> that's all you need, isn't it? A strong will and you beat that heart attack. Exactly. I mean, to be if, fair, if she dies, it's because she wasn't trying hard yeah, enough. Yeah, Yasmin, she's quite frail, isn't she? Not frail. She's a game old bird, that's what I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so, yeah, we, we've talked about the dream sequence reactions. What did you think about poor... Yasmin. Oh, I wish they hadn't spoiled it on the front of the soap magazines and on Twitter what did and say? on everything. Yasmin heart attack drama. Oh. <laughs> did you did you not know that this was gonna happen? I don't really go on I don't really see stuff on Twitter like that. Uh, did I you, don't think. Did you not see did this I? stuff? I don't think I did. Oh well confused. What did you think about it? Because I thought, oh here it is. I thought, oh god. That was inconvenient. <laughs> Which I think I was supposed to think that uh, it does make me wonder, like, was that was that always the plan? I don't know. Or is bit, it another it way that irritating. Coronation Street have delayed the story? Not because really they want, want to string it out, but this. because maybe... I mean, they've said that they're not going to be able to do any trial scenes unless they sort of recreate the, the court 
in Media City, which I think is a bit impractical. So maybe, but then they don't know how long this is going to go on, so they can't delay the trial indefinitely until <laughs> COVID's gone, just you know so they can they, film the scene in the court. They could just do like a really ropey, um, you know, like on Zoom calls now where you can have fake backgrounds. Yeah. They could just do a really ropey like court scene with like the judge like sitting in front of this fake wood panelling, trying not to move their hair too much because the, the, it would reveal that they're sitting in front of a bookcase. <laughs> I know all about green screen, Gemma. Have you not seen my amazing intro video to re-rate all 375 Coronation Street regular characters part 3 1970s was that on the Conversation Street YouTube channel it is indeed just a little check there. it out on youtube.com um, yeah I mean uh, it's, it's, it's irritating in a way but I'm not but I'm not irritated I, I, I want there to be the trial yeah I want to I want to get this it's I not really like want I want to get, get it over really, with no, I'm just really eager get... to find out what happens yeah no I, I, I don't see how I don't see how the plot's going to progress without doing the court case, so I'm a bit annoyed. No, I mean, Yasmin is going to be, you know, stuck in hospital or prison again. And I tell you one she, thing. She needs to be out to either be under Jeff's spell or not. Do you know what? You know when, um, yeah, you know when he put the porridge down in front of her? Mm. I was expecting him to lift the cloche and there'd be a dead chicken or a chicken's head. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought there would be. That would have been good. I think that would have been a bit too much for half past seven, though, to be fair. Um, I, I don't think... I think the chances of Yasmin going back to Jeff now are very, very low. Yeah, I do. I, Can I just say, I mean, are we just assuming that she's going to be absolutely fine from this heart attack and she may be in hospital for a little bit and that it's not going to affect well, her long-term in any kind of way? it would be a story if she just dies now, wouldn't it? Yeah. And Jeff but, says, I told you. Which is... Oh, it, it's a shame because thing, things like heart attacks should be... You know, it should get the viewers worried about a character, but I, I don't know if it ever does. It doesn't it's feel a lot more like, like she's in peril. It just feels like no. an inconvenient. Yeah. It feels like the, it feels like the end of a chapter in a Goosebumps book. Mm. I did like how Jeff um, was accusing her. You know, uh, not just not to her face, obviously, of of buying time and everything. Just seeing the, his frustration. But I suppose... It, it, because I think he knows time's ticking and we're going to run out for him now. If Elaine's sniffing around, who knows what else is going to come to light. He needs a swift trial now because the, be- the, the less people start to put the clues together, the more likely he is to get away with all of this. He, the longer they have to build Yasmin's defence, the worse off for him because everybody knows the facts of the case. The situation that he's in has not changed, but the circumstances surrounding it are slowly becoming more apparent the longer they have to work on it. And now Imran's going to have extra time to find this Elaine person, presumably from Ryan, who says, yeah, that lady came and kicked the bucket right in front of the Rovers, mm. just like Robert earlier <laughs> in the year. Yeah, and where was Aggie to sort it out this time? <laughs> Too busy working on the COVID Another world. victim of COVID-19. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, Elaine then. I thought she was brilliant. She, she has been in Coronation Street before, she, this actress. She has. Paula Wilcox played Ray Langton's sister back in the 1960s, late 60s, so she I think, early 70s. is Tracy's aunt. Um, yes, in a way, I guess she is. <laughs> Obviously, different, playing a different character. Um, uh, you know me, I, I am not very good at all with actors and actresses, unless they're from an incredibly small no, I pool. No, like, I, I don't know them, but I think she's a famous actress. Oh, okay. I, th- I think. She's, she's been in other things, but don't ask me what. All I know is that she was in Coronation Street in the 60s in for a couple of episodes. But she, she straight away, she's one of these actresses that's like, 
I like you, please stay. She's, she's very good. I don't think there's yeah, any need convincing. at all for her to stay. No. She's she's one of these characters that's come in to to help give to the, the storyline a little push. Yeah, like a, um, I don't know, like in the John Lindsay story when one of his ex-wives came along and was like, you told me he was a pilot as well. There's always an but ex she, coming, she was, it for the men. I know, I know. She was fantastic. The, her, her little looks, at the worry that she had on her face while she was waiting to speak to Yasmin. She's a good she, actress. She looked very kind of meek and mousy and... Um, she's ter- because of the. I mean, it, sh- it just shows some of the long-term effects that coercive control can have on you. That she's absolutely petrified to speak to anybody about Jeff, to be around where she knows Jeff lives, to to see him again for the first time in who knows how many years. Yeah. She she was she absolutely played a blinder because, and it, it just goes to show. You know the difference Acting. that a, a real, real quality actress can can give. Not that I'm saying that the rest of the Coronation Street cast were a load of rubbish. Obviously, she but... made Ryan look like absolute <laughs> pile of crap. Oh, poor Ryan. What, is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm saying Ryan Prescott's <laughs> a lovely actor. Um, no, so, sometimes they will bring in guest cast. I know. Yes, I know. And they're just they're just do, you they're, know they're just, they're just there they're, saying they, their lines. They do the job. They do the way. job. But 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 honestly, Paula, she she went above and beyond. And, and this is only, we've only seen her in a couple of episodes. I am really, really excited to see what she's going to bring to the story next week. I mean, I think we could have an info dump on Jeff's past, for one thing. I don't know how much more I need to know, honestly. I, 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 I do. The mystery? She I used think, to be out with him. I think that she was his first wife who died of breast cancer. Tim, um... She's died twice now. <laughs> Jeff has been married three times. Wife number three, Yasmin. Wife number two, um, Tim's mum, Tessa, is it? Tessa. Yeah. Wife number one... Died. I believe, unnamed wife one so far, but I wouldn't be surprised if she's called Elaine. Oh, am I getting this wrong? Anyway, whatever. You can marry more than one... I should have looked up Chiropedia properly for this. More than one person There was the the first wife. I don't know which one's Tessa, I can't remember, sorry. But the first wife, Jeff has said she died of breast cancer. And that's not Tim's mum. Tim's yes. mum is Tessa, Tim's, the I second think so. wife. Yeah, and this is a completely different person to, you know, the pers- the, the woman who he... Um, Says w- abused him. Well, I think he said that they all have to some extent, but you know the woman in the pub who they was having argy-bargy with that when, uh, when they were getting Claire's Law involved in it and, and there was that person, that was somebody completely different, that was just a girlfriend. But yeah, I, I think this one could very well reveal, be revealed... That was the one in the paper. Yes, I think this one could be revealed to be the one that he claims to be dead. Or... I mean, unless... I don't think that he thinks that she's actually dead. No, I think he might just have lied to get sympathy. Yeah. But, I mean, he, I mean, it's a very dangerous game he's playing, isn't it? Yeah, I know, but... Case. Everything know that Jeff he's doing like? at the moment is a dangerous game. Talking on the radio, which, I mean, the, the listeners must be in double figures almost. You don't want to be announcing your plans like that. <laughs> or, you What's know. his plan? Well, or, or just, you know... It's not like he went. Li- lying, lying on the air when there are people out there who know what he's like and could be listening in. Yeah, but I think he's a he's a narcissist, isn't he? Mm. And yeah, I just saw you picking up the iPad. Have you been having a no, little I look? No, I couldn't at... find it because the internet doesn't work. Oh dear. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. I, this is what I think. I think it's going to be his his first wife. I think that's a good. What do you think call. of that? And then if because if if she starts revealing that, then we. Then, and Tim finds out there's only so much that Tim can turn a blind eye to all these accusations. If the woman comes along who Tim thinks is dead, because Tim will have talked to Jeff about his past wife, 
beforehand, wouldn't he? If he realises that he's been lied to for the whole of his life... Yeah, but I can see Jeff saying something like... Yeah, well, she she is dead to me. Being, yeah, you know, I was just being figurative. She said to me, I didn't want to talk to her, talk about her, so I just decided to say she died so nobody would ask me questions because I hated her so much or she made my life a misery. He'll, there's always a way to get out of it. I, I don't know. I think that she could it be depends. the key here. Yeah, I know. All right. I really do. Um, it's just a, It's just a shame a little bit that she was being so cagey towards Yasmin about it. Because I can't see why she would have been cagey. Where did you? Why have you picked up this vault fast thing? You see, I've written vault fast. It's, it's but you word. must have heard it somewhere. This well, week. That's how one acquired. I haven't heard it this week. You I suddenly latched onto it. I don't it. think I have. I did have to Google it this morning just to check that it was actually a word. You, you, but I was pretty sure. Even after nearly ten years of marriage, she can still surprise me. <laughs> um, yeah. Why was she being? Why didn't she say to Yasmin? I was his first wife. Unless she's, unless she has gone into hiding, and Jeff does think that she's dead. Either one is plausible. But can, if you're married to someone, can they pretend to be dead? Let's find out. <laughs> I don't know. It it almost felt like why, she was being a bit cagey be for the sake of the viewer. Pretend you're dead. But you can't you can't pretend to die of of breast cancer. You can say I'm going to die in my parents' house. No, no, don't, don't come. I've died. Unless... Please send flowers. I mean, I suppose she could have, you know, escaped him and his, co- his controlling behaviour and whilst she was ill and he might have received a letter afterwards Let's saying that she's dead. Let's not get too involved in the hows and the whys before we know. I'm just theorising. I know, but I'm just saying to you, it's, it is a TV show. They don't need to provide a reason why Jeff categorically believed his wife was dead. Jeff is the kind of person if he if he moved on to somebody else, I don't think he'd give two figs about what happened to her. The other the other option, I suppose, is this is Tim's mum, isn't it? That's a possibility. Well, that would explain why she was so shocked when she saw them both and kicked the bucket over. Yeah, but I don't know why. I can't remember what where we are at with Tim's relationship with his mum and uh, is she estranged or? I don't think I I. Without wanting to victim blame, I don't know why you would leave a, an abusive relationship and let your son stay there with somebody mm. who was that manipulative. Yeah. But, you know, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first, don't you? Mm. And it says, she says that her name is Elaine Jones, but that could well be a fake name, couldn't it? But I think the fact that <laughs> Yasmin just happened to drop in uh, Jones, I think it's Elaine Jones. That's Imran's going to search that. He needs to know the full name next week, so he's going to be, he's going to be googling, go- googling it or, or or getting some of his police mates to to do a bit of a police database search. Get or Daniel to bloody do it. That's what he's employed for, isn't it? Daniel. Daniel works at the solicitor's office now. He's supposedly too, he's too busy. He's this. got to earn that that <laughs> fancy money. He's too busy with his head in Nikki's chest. Um, anyway. What else have we got to talk about? Nestling about this? twins. <laughs> um, the, the, yeah, we've kind of we talked about the phone calls scene. I did think that Yasmin should have kept it down a little bit because she was going a bit. I said that. She's I she's in too. her she's in the cell With her shouting phone. one half of a conversation. Unless it's a padded cell, Yasmin. I don't think it was. You need she's to either going to get when you're on the that phone. phone confiscated or she's going to get taken off to be sectioned. <laughs> 
Um, if I was, I said to you, if I was Jeff, because he, once she stood up to him on the phone, that's when he completely unmasked himself and became completely furious with her. The first thing I would have done if I was Jeff would be to report her for having a phone. He did mention, didn't he? He, he, he mentioned, oh, you're, you're on an illegal phone. He totally should have done. That's what I would have done. You'd get her in trouble. I mean, in there. I mean, we saw what happened to Jim McDonald when he was caught with his illegal phone. Naughty, he was dragged naughty, away naughty. kicking and screaming. Because even if she gets found not guilty of, of the crime that she's up for, would... Do they just if you do anything wrong in prison? Do they go? No, no, no. It was our fault for putting you in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Don't you should have been there. Them. So it's yeah. all. Don't worry about that hooch racket you had. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that person you beat to death with a pool cue. I mean, <laughs> anything really goes in prison when you're not guilty. Me a culpa. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have all done it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, really. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that the phone calls stop now. I mean, we, it, we had a we had a great scene with them, but I, I don't need that to be a major part of the story anymore. But you're right, it Jeff could Jeff could drop it in. But the whole it, it seems to me that every single person that goes to prison in Coronation Street gets a dodgy phone at some point. I, think I, it's I don't know how much prison. this reflects. I, I think you, I think it's rife, but is it is it that rife? I think some of them even have their own Instagram accounts and stuff because some of the prison riots. They had that prison riot, didn't they? Um, was earlier this year or last year, I can't remember. But they had that. That was on bloody Instagram. Wasn't that this year? Because they were writing about COVID stuff. Were they? Well, they. Uh, my point stands either way. Mm. They were. They were live streaming it. So. Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking that um, Yasmin. I don't know whether it would have been better if she'd have, you know, kept that cl- card close to her chest until court. Because if she'd have gone along with Jeff's story. And be like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll stay She's quiet. You you get me off. You let me home, and then as soon as she'd have come home, she'd be like, no way. I've read a book about this. <laughs> Screw you, Jeff. No, but she's now she's, she's not given that kind of she's given Jeff the chance to, you know, come up with more excuses and and change. Yeah, she has. Hers. She's given she's given him an advantage, but I think Yasmin is not really concerned with that so much as freeing herself from the mental prison of being in a relationship with Jeff. Do you think that she And was... I think she's done that now. And I think that she was right when she said that she doesn't care where she is anymore. She could stay in prison for the rest of her life and it would still be worth it to her to be free of him. And she is now. So her soul is free, but her body may be and she's prison. And she works at the library. Like I mean, it's, it's actually what she always wanted because when she first started the show... They closed the library and demolished it, and she was devastated. Oh, yeah, they did a sit-in at the library, didn't they? And she it's tried like to open one again, in, in Roy's cafe, and it didn't really work out. So she's just really gone back to her... Yeah. Who needs librarians anymore? It's all on e-book, not in prisons, though. No, you can't have a Kindle in prison. No. Um, so do you think, then, is this the final, final time that she's changed her mind about this? Because... She's been back and forth, back and forth for months now. I don't want to speculate anymore on this. Why? <laughs> because I just... I, now I think... There was a point at t- in time, you guys know, that I thought, she's going to... He's going to forgive her. She's going to come back to him. And then she's going to leave him at cer- a certain point down the line. But now I think that's not as likely to happen. Because I no. just think that that people's... Wrongly... I think that people's sympathy would be eroded if she went back to Jeff at this point. I think people aren't really at the stage of 
Probably. I know, I think people say, for heaven's sake, yeah, it's fine, go back oh, to it, you deserve yeah, it. Yeah, or like, I'm not watching it anymore, or yeah, whatever happens to her now is her own fault. It was a really, really nice twist on Wednesday when she was like, shut up, Jeff, and she told him, because yeah. I felt that she meant it. And she's she said things like that. She's she's she stood, stood up, up to him, him before, yeah. but this this was the time felt that she, it felt turn, that she meant it, it the most. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to I, go back on this now and go crawling back to him, oh, no, don't. Well, yeah, but it would be realistic if she did, and you have to understand. It would, it her. would, but for because a let's not let's not plot, forget also that storytelling that this is a bit of an exceptional circumstance here. And if she had, say, she'd left him, and he was, and she hadn't gone to prison, but she'd gone to a women's shelter or something, I don't know how much sense. I mean, it to me it would make sense to say, I'm at this stage of my life. He's got all of my worldly goods. I don't know what would happen if I tried to divorce him. I am alone and scared in the world. I don't have anything. I want my house back. I just want to live in my house. And he wasn't that bad all the time. You know, I can mm. understand how people justify it. It must be even worse when you're young and you have children. I don't. I think people that say it's easy to leave an abusive person hasn't ever been in an abusive relationship because you have to be prepared to walk away from literally everything you've ever yeah, worked for in your life. And I don't think many people realistically understand what that really entails. Yeah, yeah. What a quandary. <laughs> and she's got an orangery as well. I mean, who would turn their back on that? <laughs> right. Not, not Sally Metcalf, that's for sure. Gaz slighting. Yeah, so if, if Yasmin moves out, um, Sally's going to annex that orange tree. <laughs> Yasmin Sally could have it, honestly. <laughs> right, Gaz slighting. So, Monday. Um, we last saw Adam with Laura last week, didn't we? And she was waving her keys to the uh, safety deposit box in his face, almost to bait him into wanting to have a look. And he has indeed taken a photograph of it, and he's he's looking at them on Monday just to remind us that um, he's he's got it in for old Gaza. <laughs> now he pretends to be Gary on the phone later on. I, it, it all felt very unrealistic <laughs> to me. But the long and short of it is, is he was pretending to be this Gary. This wasn't unrealistic. This is social engineering. This is how lots of hackers work now. He was pretending to be Gary, yeah. phoning up the safety deposit box people, safe as houses, saying... <laughs> safe as houses. What was he saying? He Have basically you got phoned my up right and went, details? Um, look, I'm not getting any post from you guys. I'm, I've moved house and I want to make sure that you're still sending me bills out because they, they haven't arrived. Um, can you just check? And they say, oh, um, is that your, your address is so-and-so Victoria Court? Um, well, no, he, they, he says, yeah, my name is Gary Windass. And they're like, oh, yes, your address here is at, listed at so-and-so Victoria Court. And he says, oh, yes, yes, and that's for lockbox so-and-so. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes perfect sense to me that if you're on the end of the phone, you would totally be tricked into to telling him everything he wanted to know because he already knew most of it. It just felt quite convenient. You know, Corey does oh, that sometimes, does This is what happens in real life, I'm telling you. Okay. If you worked at a safety deposit box and somebody phoned up and went, Hi, have you got my address down right? My name's my name's Gary Windass and I've got a thing with you. And you went, oh yeah, um, it's Vic- Victoria Court. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, so that... You know what I mean? How many times have you yeah. made a mistake like that? Oh, Everyone, yeah. Everyone's done it. You're right, you're right. It's just, It's just lucky for... Adam, Adam but... is a sneaky sneak sneak. And he's a charmer, isn't he? And and he's, he's got that Scottish accent that gets people off their guard. <laughs> yeah, although the people at Safer's Houses must have at some point gone, hang on a minute, Gary wasn't Scottish the last time that we spoke to him. Because later on in the episode, they're phoning Gary back saying, did, did you ring us earlier? 
Sorry, we just gave you details to somebody else. Sorry, sorry, don't sue us, please. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we uh, we had a scene with our Kelly later on, didn't we? She's got a bruise on her arm because it turns out that Laura, when she has a bit too much to drink, gets gets a bit violent and uh, she's turning into a right villain. This minxy Laura, isn't she? She has, she has. Um. And Gary gives our uh, Kelly twenty pounds to give her to buy herself something nice. Our Kelly has clearly never been taught to not take money from grown men. I know. This, this, there's a really so weird dodgy. dynamic between teenage girls and grown men on the street at the moment, and it really just needs to stop. I know, I know. Uh, she, she's, and, she, and she, she tucks it in her dungaree top pocket, doesn't she, at the top? Like, thanks very much, I'm going to put this right here. <laughs> Down a clavage. Um, anyway, she she jokes to him that he's got a guilty conscience about something. and he I think I'd feel dirty if I took money off of a grown man as a teenage girl. I know. I don't think, I think... It's like, buy me a milkshake, but don't give me money. But she does come from the wrong side of the tracks, doesn't she? The Neyland family. Who knows what Laura's done for 20 quid. Exactly. She may well have seen her mum doing, you know, a lot worse than that. Um, Laura goes to the furniture shop later. Yeah, no, well, then the safety... This is when the safety deposit safety people deposit come. box people. Oh. Hi, Gary. Just to let you know, we gave out your information to a Scottish man on the phone earlier. Sorry, goodbye. Thanks for choosing safest houses. <laughs> It's quite ironic, isn't it? That a safe place <laughs> called Safer's Houses is so like, flagrant with um, their hi, uh, G- GDPR regulations. Hi, hi, is that Mr. Windass? Yeah, it's um, Safe as Houses, deposit box people. Just checking that you know that we named ourselves that ironically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, we, we also we also make sure that although. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to make some kind of reference to Rick's stupid safety deposit box where Gary guessed his password. <laughs> but I don't know what to say about that. Um, <laughs> All our codes are based on famous dates. Which yeah. one do you want? 1066? 1776? Um, anyway, Laura goes around to the furniture shop later and to say, have you seen our Kelly recently? She, <laughs> Every time she says R. Kelly, I laugh my butt off. I know, I for some every single other person who says R. Oh, this or like R. Toya or R. Leanne or whatever, they don't use it fine. that much, do she they? There always, are many... she's never said Kelly without saying R. Kelly, and I wish they would stop doing it because this guy is still, is still a paedophile, <laughs> rapist. <laughs> Rap star. We don't need to keep saying his name on television all the time. I know, I know. Um, yeah, he's she. He, he's in a grump later and says, "Oh, you've been beating at your daughter, haven't you?" Rick's not going to be happy when I tell him. Oh yeah. Then they have a confrontation. They do. They yeah. They're one of the last in She's your like, face you confrontations at Coronation Street is going to be having for a long time. And he time. says, "While I'm able, I'm going to get right in your face and tell you off." Yeah, he kind of doesn't he slam up against the wall? Yeah. Doesn't he do a Ken Ken and Deirdre move on her mm-hmm. and. Uh, She's like, oh, you've actually turned into him. And then she goes, clop, 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 clop. Which Adam sees. Um, this, this is all that Gary's ever wanted to be told that he's turned into Rick, uh, Rick Nealon because he's what he's been aiming for for the past. I know, but he sh- what he should have like, done if they wanted idol. maximum drama is to have him stand in the um, stand in the furniture shop, look at a mirror, look down at the floor. And then smash the mirror because he doesn't want to look at himself. <laughs> they could have had him look at the mirror. The way that the director was going, this it had him look in the mirror and it just the image of to Rick. <laughs> yeah, and Rick going, "Shall I shake my head?" At you? <laughs> Not even I would stoop so low. <laughs> As to what? Uh, uh, that hairstyle. <laughs> Adam 
um, chases Laura down the Giddle on Wednesday's episode. And she's like, I'm fed up with Gary. He's not ringing Rick. I just want to speak to Rick myself. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, Adam... Adam goes back to Imran again. Imran, if he sees Adam coming, he should be like, go away. I'm not I honestly think that this whole time, Adam has been sort of trying to work out a strategy with Imran. And Imran's just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's not listening to a bloody word he's saying. As soon as Adam comes up to him and goes, Gary, Imran's just like, ah. Oh. The thing is, Imran should be, and he occasionally is, super invested in this because it's all linked to Rana, isn't he, it? Because he he's going to kick that, himself when he works out. <laughs> That Adam's been after Gary because of Rana's death. Well, no, I think well, could, well, Imran was... thinks that Rick was involved in Rana's death, doesn't he? Because the story that's been banded about at the moment oh, is yeah. that Rick was the one responsible for the so roof collapse. So why is Imran so uninterested? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say he's uninterested. It's just Adam that's doing all the hard oh, work, okay. isn't it? I mean, so, so as, like... as Toya said last week, Imran's up to his eyeballs in the Yasmin case at the moment, but he's... Yeah, he's just... It, it's all Adam versus Gary at the at the moment. And I think Imran is they should be showing a bit more interest. He's he's just there to be debriefed to after the he's latest like the scuffle. Doll. Yeah. You um, would have a bit more of a personal interest. And it, you would be a bit more intrigued of the fact that this person who's supposed to have killed your sister is somewhere... Yeah, still got a hand and money out. Well, anyway, Imran. But at I guess, this... I guess, it, I guess it just gets a bit annoying because he is Adam is really doesn't really care about Rick. He just cares about Gary. Mm. Anyway, Imran at this point says, "Let's move this little tete-a-tete to the Victoria Gardens, where we can sit two meters apart from each <laughs> other on two different benches <laughs> and, and watch... talk really loudly. <laughs> yeah, and watch as Gary comes down the street so that we can jump him and say, we know what you've done.' Because um, Gary, this is when Gary goes up to him, doesn't he? And he's like. Um, you, you've been chatting with Laura and you seem very interested in R. Kelly at the moment. And <laughs> well, I just like his music. I know ga- <laughs> his personal life is not the best. I believe I can fly. Classic. That is a classic tune. Space Jam. Favourite film. <laughs> um, Adam then comes out with his big accusation because uh, he's he started to put pieces together. He's, he's managed to put two and two together to make four. Well, I don't know how he... Same way Gary managed to open the safety deposit box. I think that he might have actually killed Rick Nealon, (laughs) says Gary. Banging the nail right on the head there. Adam, sorry. I don't... And this is what he says to Gary, doesn't he? Gary's walking off um, and Gary... No, no, no. He says, why did you kill him? Oh, yeah. He says it to his face, doesn't he? Yeah, why did you kill him? Gary's like, you've lost the plot. Yeah. And And he's like, I've got the script right here, actually. (laughs) And besides... You don't get any evidence. He he literally like he doesn't. The way he says he's like he I didn't do it. But completely deny it. I didn't do it. If I did I do it, you you've got no evidence it against anyway. me. <laughs> and, then, and then Adam says, "Oh, stay safe, safe as houses." Which, the safety deposit box company. Uh, yes, I, I'm on to you, <laughs> Milado. They, they only called it safe as houses so that they could have that. And I bet you they spent ages trying to think of a company name that they could throw into a conversation. Well, it's a, as a as a as a final zinger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was quite exciting ending to that episode. Then it gets um gets even better on today's. I'm glad I'm more into this story now this week. I think it was really casual the way that Adam just kind of decided to accuse Gary of murder and doesn't seem to be too concerned about confronting a murderer or wondering what. Gary might do to him if he could kill a criminal loan shark mm. with his own bodyguard, Sharon. 
how I just I just find it a little bit, you know, unlikely. That I don't that I don't mind. I just think he it's, would jump to. Yeah, it does seem a bit odd, but I don't really care. And I know that's how you deal with folk around the Weatherfield parts, but we just bury them in the Usually woods. people don't seem to notice. Gary and Adam have some social distance sparring in the cafe at the beginning of Friday's yeah, because episode. Look, on on Wednesday, Adam's like you murdered Rick. And then on Friday, he's like, you better not give me coronavirus because that would be too dead then, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> me- now, meanwhile, Brian has got a metal detector. And that's when he came on the screen Uh-oh. with that. Like, oh, what's, what's he going to be doing this time? What crazy capers is Brian up to this week? Oh, he's found a pound underneath a mat in the cabin. Next How hilarious. Thing you know, he's going to be digging up Digging up Albert Tatlock's allotment. Digging up Albert Tatlock's bum. Um... Never did get that shrapnel out. So apparently somebody has found some Roman coins over in um, the, the Greg, the Greg Woods. Woods. I can't, they actually said the name of the woods in the I episode, didn't they? I, I don't think it's relevant at all because we know it's the Greg Woods. And, he, um, and, and Brian is now determined... He's written he wants to go hunting with his meta detector. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what would you That's find? A fourth wall break in there. <laughs> I think you've just said a soap phrase of doom. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> we'll have to remember that, won't we? Brian's metal detector. <laughs> and yeah, his metal detector. <laughs> and Gary... <laughs> Gary tells him... Gary tells him... Brian says, I'm going to go digging up, see what I can find. See if there's any Roman coins left around. And Gary says, that's a bad idea, mate. The place is going to be crawling with would-be treasure hunters. Now, if I were you, I'd go somewhere where nobody else goes. And like, then, some, like anywhere else. Uh, yeah, any, anywhere else. Uh, but to be fair, it probably is crawling with people. I think Brian is the least of Gary's worries when it comes to who's going to dig up Rick's corpse. If really have somebody hasn't found Roman coins, is in trouble for more than just Brian... Yeah, exactly. Well, this is why... Even if he puts Brian off, though. Yeah, well, this is, which is why he jumps into his van so as soon as he can and with, with a shovel in hand to go... I don't know, what, what was his plan? To go and dig up Rick himself yeah. in the middle of the day no. with plenty of witnesses all around with their no. metal detectors? Gary's like, Roman coins? I'm on that. <laughs> Do you know what? I run an antique shop. God damn it. <laughs> that explains all those bloody coins I buried him on top of. <laughs> Dirty old coins. Yeah. No, he he's. Uh, I think he's just. Yeah, he was right, going to go and dig up Rick, wasn't he? Was can that I just the plan? say this makes a bit more sense what happens later? But I'll say he goes. He jumps in his van. Not that we see this. Bernie, who's she's in this story now. Hello, hello, it's me, Bernie. I'm escaping the quads. Um, she's she says, says Brian. I've just seen Gary going chucking a shovel in the back of a van. I reckon he's screwing you over. And he, the only reason he told you not to go and dig up the Greg Woods yourself because he is wants because to do he it. wants to do it. So Brian's like, oh, and then she says, very dare him. I'm amazing the at finding cheap. things. I'll help you. And everyone goes, ah, meta detector's going off there. <laughs> that, was <laughs> detector. that was totally the meta detector <laughs> because I mean I don't know how many other people immediately thought. That's how she was able Bernie to find Gemma's infamously. engagement ring on the Welsh hills in the like in, in the, the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, within about five minutes yeah. last year, she's got super ring finding powers. Take her with you. Yeah. So they go off together, don't they? She should be an um, archaeologist, shouldn't yeah. she? Mm. Um, what what are we doing? They're going to go off to the to, together to the to the woods and, and see what they can find. Meanwhile, Me- Adam and Laura. Oh yeah, she's she's in full on seduction mode, isn't she? She's on lounging the, on, on that, that, that skanky, skanky sofa <laughs> in the lawyer's office. 
<laughs> I bet um, if, if Daniel had been there, he'd have been right on her. Yeah, just let, just let me talk to you about my childhood. Hey, Laura, say syrup. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Sarah walks in on this. Um, and it's about time she did, really, because Adam's been sniffing around Laura, trying to get the, the, the dirt on Rick for many weeks now. He doesn't need to anymore, now. I don't think. No, I think he, he's got all that he needs to offer her. So she, she's trying to seduce her, and he's, he's, he hasn't got the time. Because he's, <laughs> I don't have time for that. I've got he's a got wife. drama to go on with. Only got one woman after bloody. So Sarah comes in with her Costa coffees and almost drops them when she sees that this woman's you know getting a baps out for for, for her husband. Getting a baps out. She would have done if she'd she been. She would have done if he'd asked. If she would, um, uh, and, and then Gary's She's like, like, "Who's this trollop?" And Sarah says, "Yeah, Adam's like, oh, I'm his he, wife." Oh yeah, she says that. He, she says I'm his wife, and who, who's this? And Adam says, "Oh, he's she's just, just one of my clients. This is my sexy client. I'm handling maintenance payments for her ex." And Laura's not having any of this. She's like, "No, he's not. We're having, we're, we're having. Tr- I'm trying we're, to, we're an item. I'm trying to shag him. She's she, he's he's my future booty call." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sarah tells her to jog on. But then she goes, but not before saying. Adam, this, if you get sick of this nag with a bendy finger, just come my way. Yeah, basically. So Adam, I mean, I, I did wonder what Adam would say to try and get out of this when he was inevitably going to get in this position. But he just pretty much tells her the truth, really, doesn't he? Who'd have thought that that would be a, it's a reasonable wife. gambit? He's the clue to proving that Gary had something to do with Rick's disappearance. And Sarah's like... Oh, and also he said, and I, you know what, I think that Gary killed Rick. And Sarah's like, what the hell are you on about? <laughs> um, she's not happy, is she? No, she, she's... Had, for some reason, this doesn't placate her particularly. Well, she's probably having flashbacks about... Um, she's going to have flashbacks about Gary being... Not Gary, Callum being buried under the annex when Rick oh. gets dug up in the, in the woods next week or assuming that that's what's going to happen. I, there's no spoilers out, I really don't know. But all I do know is that they're building up to what would have been Britain's Got Talent Week. In fact, I don't know whether today's episode... Would was have been the start of, the uh, of Britain's Got Talent Week, I'm not sure. Oh, we get a Britain's Got Talent fortnight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, it depends how much the rewrites did, and I think whatever's going to happen, it's not going to be as bombastic as it, it, it would have done. Um, but, yeah, that, that's why this week was so exciting. It's around Britain's Got Talent time. Then they have a socially distanced um, car chase, which you don't see. Uh, yeah, because they can't film in the woods, can they? And it makes me wonder. Like, there's That's a few really times thinking, would they have actually showed the Bernie is, and, and Brian yes, in the woods? So listen, though, ever since Rick got buried in those Greg Woods, we have been waiting for them to return to that scene of the crime mm. so they can dig him up. And I don't know if we're going to get to see that now. And no. it actually makes me upset because that is a payoff that we've been robbed of now. Mm. And there's there's nowhere on the set that they can, you know, dress up to <laughs> make it look like the woods. Paper mache trees. Literally, the only greenery is in Victoria Gardens and, and the tree outside of Audrey's salon. I don't think that's going to cut it. Not really. I suppose, I suppose they've got the nice gardens of the Maisonettes as well, haven't they? But yeah, it's a real shame that we're just going to have to hear about things like this. And, and we were a bit confused when Brian and Bernie got back, weren't they? Because... I don't know whether we missed it, but we were saying, are they, are they talking about Gary chasing? Well, she's going, oh, he was following us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, and, it, and it is Gary. He's, he, he found them digging around. In the woods. Very handily in the exact spot it transpires that he buried Rick. And um, he's had a go at them saying, look, you need to, you know, go home, stop digging around up here, what did I tell you? So Gary arrives on the street um, Brian's all for, you know, kowtowing to Gary and say, because he doesn't want to get hit by him or something. But Bernie goes up and says, look, 
don't you tell us what to do. We're going to go right back to those words and dig up the whole place. Yeah, I like that. Na, 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 na. Gary's response, I don't smash like up that. the metal detector. Yes, so take this. Yes, uh, which is quite, it was an exciting, quite an exciting scene. I like that. And then he realises that he's maybe going a bit too far and he apologises for and losing his temper. And it's the buy a new one. Yes. And it was a present and everything. It was a Christmas present. Mm. Sarah comes out and says, what's well, going on here the then? Whole thing. Yeah. And he's like, sorry, sorry, I'm just overreacting. Stressed out at the moment. What can possibly be his reason for explaining why he smashed up the metal detector at this point? His original objection was that he didn't want them to go because he said it would be too crowded. Mm. So he was he like bashing it, going, "I'm just worried about your personal safety and social distancing in the right. woods because of the ongoing pandemic." <laughs> Stay at home, save lives, protect the NHS. <laughs> Smash. Think of Aggie. <laughs> anyway. Literally, there is no there's no logical reason why he's smashing this up now. He hasn't even he can't even think of an excuse. Well, he's just, no he and he's just riled up and he's, he's worried. Going, he's I'm like Jeff. He's he's losing grip on this yeah. situation that he's he's found himself. Sorry, in. I'm just angry. Yeah. So anyway, we then cut to Bernie getting home, who reveals to the camera, "Oh look, I've got a watch that says to Rick from Laura, kiss kiss." <gasps> but wait, that's the name of the man what Gary murdered. Tis indeed. And isn't that his wife? Yeah. <gasps> but I don't know whether Bernie knows no, either she's of got them. No idea. I don't. She think... wouldn't have looked at it like score. She'd have been like concerning. Hmm. Because she wants to sell it, she doesn't give a crap. I guess she does, doesn't she? She's going to try and flog this. She's either going to flog it or she's going to give it to somebody as a horrible gift. I don't think that she would give it to someone no, if it's if worth she tries, something, yeah, if she tries which to sell it, it will it's not be worth because anything. it's a loan shark's watch. Yeah, but he might have like a rough one. There is no way that Rick Nealon would be wearing a cheap piece of tat, although it did have a nasty engraving on the back of it. That... It's going to be hard to shift. I wonder. <laughs> it just reminds me of that engraving that um, Lorraine had on her iPod that one time with the with the what's it? Did have a missing Lorraine, apostrophe or something? Lorraine's iPod hands is. Oh off. yeah, hands off with an apostrophe in. <sighs> Um, Terrible. I think, and I she think had like really three tacky. exclamation marks on it. Yeah, I thought that this back of the watch looked very, very tacky. And it was now, a nice big font so that we could see it. There's no reason why Bernie wouldn't actually try to sell this to Gary. Why? Yeah. And if she does, he can just buy it. Because, I mean, we didn't get a good look at the watch, did we? I mean, is it is it an antique watch? Is it is it a sundial watch? But she doesn't... Uh, she probably she probably knows loads of people that she could sell Back the watch Back in the to. day, she'd have taken it to Tracy and Barlow's buys, wouldn't she? But if I had a bloke at the end of the road who was clearly buying any old rubbish, mm. I think I'd sell him this crappy old watch because he doesn't... There's no reason that she know, she would think that he would know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's going to... He's going to try and... But that's going to help you help. Then, then the whole thing just gets brushed under the carpet, doesn't it, again? Because the evidence has disappeared. Yeah, that would be a... a, a, a but she, she, still, she still knows. I mean, I, I think that she might sell it to Gary. She'll, she'll either sell it to Gary or she'll sell it to Fizz and Fizz will somehow be involved. But I, it feels like I don't really know why Fizz works at that place because she's only had about two scenes She's going to sell it to Gary and then there's going to be this really contrived scene whereby she learns that Rick yeah, missing she's, and his name is Rick and yeah, his exactly. wife is Laura. She, she's going to overhear and some people go, talking about Rick and Laura. Gadzooks! Yeah, uh, I think that's what it's going to be. She'll go, oh my God, that corpse I robbed this off was probably Rick. <laughs> okay, yeah, so... How did she just find this watch? I have a theory. Gary's obviously gone to the woods. Yes. If I if he's going to the woods, he's going to do something with or around Rick. 
I think he dug Rick up and I think the watch fell off. Mm. That's the only thing that makes sense. Why would Gary go there if it wasn't to fix the problem? Yeah. And and surely by now, Rick is a skeletonised in, in parts. There's mm. not going to be much of him left. No. So it would make sense to me that he picked Rick up. That's really grim. It is grim. It was grim enough watching him drag the body back after he'd beaten around the head last year. But no wonder he lost it with a metal detector if he's just literally dug up a corpse and hidden it. That's enough to put anyone, you know, off Oh, whack. yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. Sorry, I'm really cross. I just had to dig up a man's body in the woods. Because what what I what I wouldn't believe, although I'm not saying that this wouldn't happen, is that the the watch came off during the fight with Gary last year, and it's just been sitting around in the woods for a year. Because somebody would have found that if Bernie's just gone to the woods and noticed it on the floor. Yeah, but Michael, she's really good at finding things. I know, I know. Despite even though she's got these super jewelry finding powers, somebody else would have found it. I mean, we saw that bloke walking a dog in the woods not long after we buried Rick. So, yeah, I, I think you might be right. I think he might have moved him. So now the question is, where is he going to put him next? Yeah, where, where has he got him? Is he in the back of the van? Do you reckon he, is in the, he was in the van, van the whole time when he was chasing Gathy, Kathy and, I mean, Je- uh, Bernie and, and Brian? That's really macabre. Maybe, Can you imagine? Maybe you put him on the passenger seat. <laughs> Waving his arm. Yeah. yeah I... That skeleton flipped me off. Because if you've dug him up, You've got to tran- you can't just, you know, put him in another bit of the wood if you're worried that the wood's going to be full of treasure hunters. Just move him to a different wood. Hmm. But, but, the, the but he, is, he didn't go somewhere no, else because no, Bernie and Brian caught him yes, in the that's woods. that's what I was going to say. He was already in the woods. So what did they see, like, him with a suspicious bag <laughs> with, like, a hand sticking out? You're <laughs> uh, talking about his mum, a suspicious bag. <laughs> oh, um, so, yeah, he's going to... So I he must I have a stinking corpse out. in the back of his, his van. I, th- I think that this is turning into... I don't... I don't think he will. He will what? But I can't think of any other way around it. I'm sure we're missing something. Because I can't imagine. Is... I, if he had a stinking corpse in the back of his van, <laughs> the last shot of tonight's episode would not be Bernie looking at the watch. It'd be Gary looking at a stinking corpse in the back of the van. And while they're at it, why not do a split screen? Because Curry does that now. A no, split one... screen of, of Bernie looking at the watch and yeah. a split screen of Gary looking at a, ba- a bag of bones. Yeah. Looking sad. You're talk- not talking about Yasmin. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that was a Jeff insult, not you? mine. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> um, as long as it's... Uh, oh, I was just I quoting that CAD Jeff Metcalf. As long as I can find it with my meta detector. <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing now. Yes, definitely a thing now. Right, we're we're so... probably the only people that have ever thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> right so so um i think we're done with this now um I'll just mikey was good mikey notes. north um, i thought mikey north was fantastic today i think he did a really really good job i think i'm loving did. him as as evil gary i think if he has duck up a corpse though i think that's another notch towards ultimate villainy i don't i don't know that you can come i mean we know that Tracy came back from killing Charlie. I think once Charlie. you bury the corpse, you can kind of do what you want with it. I don't think it's going to make you any more villainous. Legally, no, I don't think you can. <laughs> no, but do you like, not think there's, when... there's definitely a line that is drawn between killing somebody out of self-defence, right? And then the other, the next crime is 
burying the body to mm. hide your to hide the fact you've done this because really the first one could, you could have got off of, on that couldn't you if he was really trying to kill you yeah. and then the next one is digging it up which is repulsive and horrible and and takes somebody with something broken inside of them don't you think burying a corpse makes sense because it, it's just a person it's a person it's probably a bit grim, but once you start mucking around with dead bodies, that's where I just say, I draw the line. <laughs> it's just making me think of um, John Stape because he buried he and Charlotte buried John uh, Colin rolled, Fishwick rolled under the, the ca- under the underworld, and then they dug it up, threw him in the river, and then after killing Charlotte, he then dragged her body up to the uh, old tram crash site, didn't they? That's what Gary needs. Gary needs a big explosion. He can just throw the bones and go, look, it incinerated him instantly. He needs John as John his henchman. If only he hadn't died in that car crash. Who's yes, the guy, master. Who's the guy that's going to redevelop the street? Ray. We've decided. He needs to go, keeps to, get, to say to Ray, just dig it up, dig it up and <laughs> throw it in the hole. Right. Good stuff. At last, this story's on track. Chuck him in the canal. I, will, I, still, I still think, though, Mm-hmm. It feels like this story is going to go until Christmas. It feels like this is going to be a big 60th thing. and I know, it will do. I don't need it to now. I, well, I, I love want it. this to end now. No. We're building up to what feels like should be a conclusion. Gary's no. mask is about no. to be dropped. There's still so many more crimes he can commit. I don't, I, I don't want him to. Well, I don't care what you want. Really, really don't want him You're to. You're like one of these anyway, naysayers, these pat-feeling naysayers. That's what you sound like to me. I... I um, I'm looking forward to this next week. Daniel. My turn. Tincognito. <laughs> On Monday, um, this was so fun. This was funny and creepy and weird. This was a bit like Psycho. Spoiler alert. When it, we find out his dead mum is a skeleton mm. dressed up and he wears her clothes and runs around. Yes. Because on Monday, we find that Daniel has not been paying Nikki. £150 a session. Although it was £220 a session. Now it's £150. Mm. Maybe it was like when you join the gym, you have to pay a joining fee. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So he pays £150 an hour to go meet Nicky in the hotel to make her wear Sinead's Cardi and perfume so that he can nestle his head on her bazoom and talk about Bertie and, and how wonderful... That yeah. is, and just chat. And I, I, this has made me realise that all along, Daniel has been misunderstood. He never loved Sinead. He never loved Bethany. And he certainly doesn't love Nikki. He just really loves fluffy cardigans. <laughs> and that scent. He could get an Alsatian, just get him to wear a, a cardi. As long as it's... Cheaper, isn't it? Much cheaper. Yeah. Or, like, or like maybe... Um, what are those? He just needs to get a, an Afghan oh. hound with like nice blonde hair. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. So yeah, on Wednesday a... they talk about the baby, and he's like, "Oh, please stay," because her alarm goes off. Very. I mean, it's a good job they're not they're not shagging because it's not very erotic, is it, to have an alarm go off and have a go one hundred and fifty quid. <laughs> so he he he's he brings out eighty pounds. He's just like, "Sorry," um, which to me I thought was pretty significant because it shows. It shows me anyway that Nikki has got no sentimentality about this relationship. She doesn't feel sorry for him. She enjoys his company, but she's certainly not going to let it slide that it's 150 quid, not 80. Yeah. Even though he is a struggling single father with <laughs> a part-time job in a busted-up 
lawyer's office. He puts it on a credit card. I love the fact that she's like, just pay me later. It's contactless. <laughs> she's going to be in trouble. And that's why we didn't have it on Friday. How is she going to socially distance from him? She didn't get out of card machine, so I just stick it in the slot, love. Grace. That's one of her standard well, she did lines. Say, she did say we could do a lot more than chat, you know. And he's like, no, no. Um, yeah, that's what, they, that's what they said in the second half. Of how episode, much is she? Is he racking up on credit cards? He must, he's going to end up at debt at the end of this story. Yup. But, and, and it's Ken's money he's spending as well, isn't it? Well, and his, well it's his now, because he's paying yeah. on the credit card. Then he says, it's not about sex, you help, you help fix me, I'm sleeping through the night now. And she's pretty pleased with herself, but still not pleased enough to let him have a discount. Yeah, she, she did, it, you, you say that she doesn't have any sentimentality about it, but it, it did seem to me at the end, that look that she gave, she, she might be quite pleased with herself. That yeah. She's, that she's doing some yeah, wholesome but don't forget, duty Yeah, here. but like... Okay, so you work in a shop and you have a customer that comes in and you enjoy their company and you have a laugh with them. You ain't giving them free beans, no matter how much you like them. <laughs> so you've got to pay for them. So um, I, I thought that this was a really interesting twist. I did not know that this was coming. No, I didn't. And, this, and it, was, it was one of those like, oh, she's oh, not doing cringe. that, is she? It cringe, was really cringe, cringy cringe. and awkward, but also horribly sad. Yeah, it's really, really tragic. It can't be healthy at all. And I, 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 I I really do like Daniel, and I still insist that Rob Mallard is one of the one of the finest actors that Coronation Street has. I'm kind of getting sick of Daniel, and I, I can totally see why people would be. And and I'm a little bit. I I don't. Although it's natural that he's going through all this grief and misery, yada yada yada. (laughs) Blah blah blah. I'd like to see him have a bit of fun, maybe. He's having Um, fun. But I, 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 I was totally bought into this, but it was. It was weird. This is another case of Daniel thinking he solved a problem, but he's just creating another one. Mm. He is still not over Sinead. No, I mean, the same thing happened with Bethany, it's, it's, where it's people just like kept Bethany saying, again, he's just looking for a replacement. But people kept saying on the internet, like, oh, everyone's being really harsh. It's surely it's down to each individual person how quickly you move on. It's blah, blah, nobody's business but his, et cetera, et cetera. Like, number one, it is my business because it's a TV show. I don't about know. people that I'm supposed to be invested in. So yeah, it is my business. And number two, it's not healthy to instantly replace somebody with a lookalike. I don't know how anybody can watch Daniel this, this. week and go, yeah, perfectly healthy natural part of the grieving process. Yeah, Just absolutely. Like, it's one. Of, it's the eighth stage of grief, getting somebody to dress up as your dead wife and snuggle in them in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> one of the lesser mentioned ones. Um, I, I, I think that... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, that that cardigan. Did we had we seen much of Sinead in there? In the cardigan. In the, that that's. The, I think that she should have been wearing that top. You know the top. No. The top that's looking like the the adult colouring book. <laughs> the, it would have been. It was definitely a Sineady looking cardigan, but I can't say that Sinead ever to me wore a signature piece. of I'm sure clothing. that people could find pictures of her wearing it, but for me, the iconic piece of Sinead clothing is that that print, that colourful bold print which yeah. is a bit like the, the print that Tyrone and Fizz have got on their lounge wall because don't forget that, that um, Daniel had Sh- uh, Bethany well he didn't have her do it but she wore Sinead's dressing, dressing gown and he saw Sinead didn't he yeah so I think it would have made more sense if he brought her the dress if he'd brought her the dressing know, gown to I wear thought. but I think we've... I think that probably triggered him to, to sort of go down this avenue of Maybe I don't need a wife. Maybe I just need a cardigan. Mm. <laughs> I'm wondering whether, you know, what other things, apart from the cardi and the perfume she does to make him think of her, like, does, does she do the voice? 
does she start <laughs> talking voice. about you know, soaps and beard oils? Does she... Start moaning about Bertie. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I wonder. I mean, he can show her the videos, can't he? He's got a whole laptop full of videos that he can say, do your homework, love. This is who I want Get you to be. Get on with it. I'm spending £150 an hour here and you're just lying there. Yeah. <laughs> listening to stories. To her, this must be the best client she's ever had. Oh, yeah, I know. Just gets to lie on her back. I he mean, should I at least get a, a discount. Part of a job anyway, but... Because there's no cleaning fee involved. Very true. Very true. Very, very true. So I was, uh, it was making me wonder if we were in Daniel's position. Um, and I, if, if I sadly died and then you missed me and you wanted somebody to pretend to be me that you could snuggle with. I'd hate that. What would you get them to wear? What would you get them to smell like? What I would get them to do is sit on the edge of the sofa with their nose in their phone ignoring me and that would make me feel like he had never left <laughs> um i don't know what i'd get them to do for you um i'd get probably just get them to shout at me and cook my tea <laughs> <laughs> wander around the house in my pajamas all day long swigging cider I don't speak cider in the daytime <laughs> i don't yeah that's true daniel goes to her at any time and say day. and saying michael we have to do the garden this weekend. But I do know the perfume that you like, your angel perfume. No, that's the perfume you like to me to wear. Don't you like it? I wear it because you like it. What? Secret. I thought, don't you like I do it? like it, but I know you like it. I like, oh, yeah. Giving too much away here. Oh my gosh, I thought that you like that perfume. I do like well. it, okay, but I okay. like to wear it because you like it. Well, I would get Nikki to wear that for me. I have to say. Perfume. Yeah, I don't think I have a particular aroma, do I? <laughs> Maybe don't answer that one. <laughs> I'm not going to incriminate myself on the stand. Now, one thing that was interesting about this story, which I think we didn't just have a, you know, a collective amnesia, is the synopsis for this episode was very different to what actually happened on screen. Because apparently, if I'm remembering right, I should have it up in front of me, to be honest. But again, not well prepared for this. There was supposed to be a scene where Adam sees Daniel with Sinead's cardigan poking out of his bag. And yeah. he's like, why you got Sinead's cardigan there, you weirdo? And Daniel says, oh, I just carry it around with me to remember her by. Yeah. And I think that that scene would have really helped. No, I don't it think so. No, I think better. their shock value of her putting the cardigan on was, was better without that. But it, it it's hard because I don't think it was shock because we weren't... Because I saw her put on the card in, and I'm like, what's she doing? Because no, that, immediately. That, because I didn't th- no, immediately think that's Sinead. As soon as she was like, oh, should I, should I, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, gross. I suppose. Because you could tell immediately I, it was a piece of Sinead's clothing. Because Sinead had a very particular style of like, like dresses, but big sloppy cardigans. I don't, I don't notice things like that. Oh, it's creepy. But I, I don't know, maybe you're right. But, yeah, which is interesting that Tragic. the synopsis said something very different and it makes me wonder whether they actually filmed those or whether they just said they were going to film them and then they couldn't because See, COVID got in the way. This is another example of a story that is pretty pretty realistic in a, in a way that Daniel is still grieving. His wife only just did die in, was it November? Um, and it's mm. we're, we're only in July. He would still be very, still be very, very raw for him. And uh, he's gone to this grief retreat, and that obviously it, needs his money back for that. Yeah, totally. But, <laughs> but I will say, this is exactly you'd still be at this state. You still would be messed up completely. But as a viewer, 
I know some people are watching this going, God, why doesn't he just get over it? I'm sick and tired of Daniel moaning on about his wife. This I is think... the balance. This is the trouble about, about soaps like this. Is How much time do you give a story to make it realistic? Yeah, I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I'm sure there are people that... You know, do things like this. Well, not even do stuff like this, but just still be hung up about something. It is, it's hardly any time at all. Yeah. It's not even a year. No, I, 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 I enjoyed it. In comparison, though, he is the most, the biggest drama queen about somebody dying on Coronation Street in the whole history of the show. Um, because, hello, Alia. Yeah, but Alia like, gave it up after she noticed nobody was paying attention to her. <laughs> Alia never gives it up. But you still, you understand my point. Yeah. Most often when another character dies. Like, take Robert, for example. Who even knows he was even born now? <laughs> Nobody mentions him. Like, you, you might get the odd wistful soliloquy a year to the day or something. I mean, even even David doesn't go on about Kylie. Mm. He mentions her now and then and it comes up, but... He did have a bit of a bad time after she died, though. But did he go to a prostitute and get to wear a cardigan? Um... No. 150 quid. He, um, he ended up going to bed with Emma, didn't he? Was that Vafto's Kylie? Oh, but I bet she didn't charge him. Oh, I don't remember now. Um, Daniel I'm... should just get go out with Emma. She'd wear whatever he said for yeah, free. Emma probably likes big pink fluffy cardigans as well, doesn't She's she? She's probably got her own. Yeah, she has. I reckon she has. I'm, I'm wondering whether it's going to get weirder and Daniel's going to start confusing her for Sinead and, like, start a, and start talking to her about things that he thinks that she should know because she's Sinead. Like, he'll say, oh, do you remember the time when Bertie such and such? You, you know, little bits yeah. like that because oh, he, he did it with Bethany. And I, and I wonder whether we are going to get a, a, another reappearance from Katie McGlynn, who Corrie just can't seem to shake off. She's like the female Todd. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wonder, you know? Yeah, I know. So, uh, and, or, or is he going to, like, bring Bertie along to the hotel? That's extra. Which is seriously creepy. I mean, I, I assume that maybe not because we can't have scenes with Bertie in now because they haven't got the, the I really bought young my, child. No, that would be even creepier. I bought Bertie to show you. Daniel, that's a doll. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. I've gone it's mad. That's thing that you've made even Sinead. Yeah, but yeah, mm. taking your son to a prostitute. <laughs> Just That's when you now. know you need to go back to that grief retreat, like you say. Or maybe it was a maybe it was a an alternative therapy, maybe and that's just, a technique yeah. that they suggest. You, you, you really you, miss your wife. You can try getting a prostitute to wear a cardigan. Sorry, I mean sex worker. You can get a mop, stick some googly eyes on it. That was a very popular one for people that are on a budget. Mm. You can put a couple of balloons up front. <laughs> couple of balloons. I out thought the back. you were going to say get a balloon and just squeeze the air out of it, and it sounds just like a voice. <laughs> oh, um, dear. I, I think I quite like Nikki now, and I, I wasn't don't. sure I think she's last a, I week. I think she's an opportunistic. Um, Just that look that she gave at the end. No, and, uh, and I can't. If she would cared about him, she would tell him this is unhealthy and bad, and she wouldn't charge him money because she's on a break when she's sitting there. I know he's boring as hell, but if I was her, I'd just get my phone out and, and look at my phone while he chats. I. She is. I no. She, she's she not is, a good person. But if she if she falls for him, which you know isn't beyond the rounds of possibility here. I think this week I'm I would be more accepting of it than I was before. No, I'm not keen on it. And and, and the actress is 
she's so keen to be she's so excited about being in Corrie isn't she <laughs> it's not it's been her, it's been it doesn't mean, just because it's your life stream doesn't mean that you're a good character I, I, I wonder whether they're going to turn her into a, into oh, a they, goodie uh, you but, know at any point she could suddenly go I've had a battle of conscience here's a grand back or whatever um, or, or she she is I've had an unexpected windfall it says I've won second place in a beauty contest <laughs> oh, I've only been on Corrie for five episodes and already my luck's coming in um I, I, I can totally see them bringing Nikki in. She's, you know, she has this relationship with Daniel. Something, something happens. Big twit, big turning point for Daniel. He gets over himself or whatever. Daniel tells Ken that he's going out with a sex worker. Ken goes, what? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> then, then she moves in with do you, Emma. Do you go to older and clientele? And like, next week, it, she's had a complete personality transplant. And we never hear again that she were, she was a sex worker. She suddenly just turns into a bap, she's... bap spreader. <laughs> bap spreader? <laughs> That's Shona's job, isn't it? Behind the counter at Roy's. Yeah. Um, I, I don't one think. Spreading to I don't another. think that anything we've seen of Nikki's personality so far is supposed to make us think, oh, she's dodgy, she's wrong. And we can imply that the fact that she's going along with his weird fetishes, that might make us think, well, give us an idea about her personality. But I think Corey is still, you know, leaving her open to, to being a goodie. I'm sorry. I think she's. I think she's a bit of a vulture. Mm. Well, let's find out when the storyline continues mm-hmm. next week or whenever. Um, Abby's story. Uh, this was mostly just conclusions to last week, wasn't it? Um, Kevin's trying to get Seb to make up with Abby. Um, Abby's leaving the the uh, Sally's house. Uh, to go move in with Kevin. And there was a nice little scene there where they were like, oh, thank you for making me feel like family. Oh, you're the best friend I've got. I bet they're never going to speak to each other now. She's moved out. Never Literally. again. We know what friendship's like on Coronation Street. the scriptwriters are kicking themselves about this development because they, if they could have kept Abby in in um, in the Webster's house, Metcalf. I mean, Metcalf house, it would have been so much easier for, for distancing because she can stand as close to Tim as she wants. I know, I know. Well, there's been stuff in the news, I can't remember whether it was this week or whether it even originated from somebody suggested something on Twitter about, oh, what if Abby and uh, Tim had a, uh, affair. An, an affair and um, and, and both, both Sal and uh, Joe have said, no, I think that'd be silly. But It would be silly. It, it would, but it would mean that they could It'd have be easy to do. an affair. Although... Coronation Street would be, you know, going against government guide uh, guidelines. Oh. Well, no, just by by saying, look, these characters are having a secret affair and they're not even in each other's bubble. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> I don't think that that's anyone's concern. Anyway, um, what are we saying? Abby goes over to number thirteen, and she's so chuffed about moving in with Kevin that she decides to cook a celebratory tea of pesto, pasto, and tuna. This was the mm, worst thing everybody. I've ever heard. Delish. This made me, this made me insane with rage because this is another vile. stupid woman who can't cook story. I don't know whether it was. This is not poverty. I don't food. think that they this played not, it like that. I think it this was, is not food born of necessity of somebody who's struggling to get by and trying to piece together any meal they can. I'm not going to let anybody tell me that pesto is a food you buy when you have got no money. <laughs> Maybe she just grows her own basil. Oh, and all my pine tree bush. <laughs> Maybe she has, like, cannabis pesto or something. Cannabis pesto? Yeah. On a single mother's wage? 
<laughs> well, she was a druggie. She's got to spend that money on snack. <laughs> Not pesto. <laughs> um, I don't think... I think it was supposed to be nice because everybody said how lovely it was. Jack was so pleased with us that he went straight up to... To vomit in the bathroom. <laughs> um, there, were, there wasn't anybody giving any looks. It was just like, uh-oh, we've got another what? one that can't cook. Am I out of touch? It's Please what all the cool kids if, are eating for tea now. If you think that tuna and pesto... It's northern speciality, Gemma. It's cuisine. ...is a normal food to eat. <laughs> pesto and pasta. Yes, obviously. Why'd you put tuna in there, you crazy bin? Oh, tuna pasta bake. I think lots of people probably would like that, to be fair. I, I love pasta Why? bake. I'm, I'm not so keen on fishy things. Do you reckon that maybe the writer, like, made... Jonathan Harvey. Jonathan Harvey, like, maybe this is his special meal. Maybe that's he, what his mum made him. And he he w- wants to promote it because he thinks, everyone thinks it's horrible, but actually it's lovely. Maybe. maybe the worst bit it. was when Seb walks in later to make to make up with her, and she's like, oh, here you go. Um, There's still some left. Why am I eating cold tuna <laughs> pesto <laughs> pasta? Congealed clumps of soggy coagulated tuna with lumps of hardened cheese and oily bits all over the place and <laughs> just claggy claggy mess no thank you yeah the reason you... i'll have i'll have fish fingers and custard like <laughs> the rest of us brits fish fingers and custard fish finger rockers is what the, is the classic dish in the house at uh, the franklin household i'll have you know um anyway that was, that was high cuisine that was compared to what they normally ate um, the reason why Seb went round is because Emma was able to persuade him because we had we had a little um, side story where Emma tells everybody about her aunt who bashed <laughs> her head on a concrete hanging that basket concrete because she refused to take off her platform shoes because she was a massive Spice Girls fan so much so that when she was carried down the the aisle in her funeral she came in to spice up your life <laughs> and maybe she, and she and she had existential angst and maybe this is what Seb's got. So, so the existential angst was brought on by the concrete hanging basket, or she hit her head because she had existential angst. No, she, I don't know. But it was, or maybe it was just a coincidence. I think she had both, both uh, existential angst and uh, um, a deadly Spice Girls obsession. It wasn't the Spice Girls that killed her, it was the concrete hanging basket. If she hadn't been wearing her Jerry Halliwell shoes, she wouldn't have been told to bang her head on the hanging basket. What a sturdy bracket that was hanging from. Anyway, um, she's not the only clumsy oaf in the Brooker family because Emma later bashes her leg on the... um, the little wooden this was so weird. outside of a was it did she put was it on the bench or was it on the wooden it was on uh, the bench the she's like you put that there which and like, I and it's I, like well really soon as it I was watched, Richard Hillman <laughs> soon as I watched victim. that I was like oh that's what they filmed on the first day back because when they had the video of um, you know Ben Price and Jane and, and uh, Georgia talking about it's great being back everything's so safe they <laughs> I feel so safe then. <laughs> and then Amy Martell in the background's going, ow! Oh, Jesus. <laughs> then, then they showed that scene of, of, uh, of Ali and Sally Look, walking so she past each other. stunts. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway. She hurts her leg. She hurts her leg. And there's inconsequential. Seb sees her going, ooh! Um, and then he takes her up to the flat and she, she, she goes and, and says, I think you should go and see your mum because you've only got one mum. So she does. He does. He does. And... Um, they make up basically. That, that's about it. Did I he... liked it when Emma was when she was talking to Sally about who was just doing socials. Do you even know what social media is, Sally? 
Like, Sally knows exactly what social media is. She's got Rosie Webster as a daughter. I know. And if she did a mayoral campaign, I think she was right in there. I bet you Rosie's even on TikTok. I bet she is. I bet she is. Um, oh, have you seen Helen Flanagan's new hair yet? No. She's, like, gone... She's gone proper pink. And not, like... Not not baby pink. She's. It's, like... It's like, like a, she like looks a like a fruit piece. salad sweet. It's like those two colours, if they mix together on the fruit salad I've, packet. I it's like a pinky help. orange, Don't blood know. orange kind of colour hair, I think. Interesting. Maybe you're making that. You're great, not good at colours, are you? Great fruity. You think navy is green, so we won't talk about it. No. I think that Seb... This is, this is something else. No. I think that Seb does say that Abby's crap at cooking because he says, Abby's food is not called and blur. It should be cordoned Oh, off. yes, they did, didn't they? So there you go. I rest my case. Pesto, pasta with tuna, an abomination. I forgot that he said that line. That was quite a funny line. I think it was probably a bit too smart for um, Seb to have Seb come out with. Blue but I'm is. sure that Jonathan Harvey gave himself a celebratory pat on the back when he came out of that one. Good job, Jonathan. <laughs> Another zinger. <laughs> Are we writing this one down? Oh, they and also, we did. We, we did write that one down. <laughs> um, also, I written down Abby's school day story, which I can't really remember what it was, but it did involve Kevin perving over a memory of Abby in a in a pleat, short pleated skirt. Yeah, that was odd. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. Um, anyway, I, it feels like that story's done with for now. Although, what's going on with the siblings? I don't know, because again, I assume we're not Are going to see them. Are they to Australia they now? May, well, I don't know. If they're now in a most, a most definitely... Covid-ridden world, presumably the twins can't go to Australia. I think you can go to places, but you have to quarantine. Or maybe they're just snuck in there before it got really bad in the they parallel universe. The coronation suit is set in. Themselves under yeah, the door. slid right under. And then they're like, "Oh, you just got in there, mate." <laughs> that was a good one, wasn't it? Thank you, everybody. Fantastic impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, I, I don't know. It, it feels like if the, if the twins have gone, then they've been written off very quickly. With, and it's a pointless story. Yeah, we, we got to see a bit of, a bit of you know, a bit of sadness from Abby. And, 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 and I do like it. And a, we're back to square one with Seb. Although now we're back no, they're, again because he ate a stupid pasta. It, yeah, it felt like... A, it was a bit like the Fizz and Tyrone story from a few weeks ago that was introduced and tied up in super quick time. Yeah. Except this one had a little bit more, you know, a bit, a bit more angst and heart and whatever to it. Imagine being it, so bad at cooking that people literally will move to a different continent to get away from it. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it. Um, and then we had the, the Bailey story, which is literally nothing. It was just Michael... Um, and Ed. Michael and Ed. Was it Michael and Ed or the right? No, it was Michael, wasn't it? Yeah, Michael's on the phone to Grace organising a date with her and then Ed comes in and is like, oh, mum's always at work, she's working too hard. Yeah, God, but isn't that a bugger being married to drew. a key worker? We drew rainbows, so shut up. Mm. So it looks like, despite Coronation Street saying they're like touching the COVID, they're actually, that feels like it's the beginning of a story. There might be something directly with Aggie about, about being on the front lines. Yeah, I mean... I think there's a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to NHS people and how... They, I don't. I don't think that they would have put that one, literally one scene in an episode, if it I don't wasn't going to lead somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's it for this week's Coronation Street, and um, yeah, I think listeners, as you can tell by our um, enthused ramblings, that we quite enjoyed it this week. And I haven't actually thought about what score I'm going to give it, but to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot that I didn't like about this week. I I enjoyed. Uh, I really liked the dream scene. I liked lots of things that people aren't going to like. I liked an dream awful scene, lot about this week. I thought week's there were some funny bits, funny silly bits. I, I don't mind the silly bits. 
the silly jokes. I still still thought Emma was funny. I thought she did a really good job again of of maintaining this very fine balance between comedy and tragedy that she where she could she was able to tell the story about her aunt dying in such a, in with such a weird circumstances with a straight face and she still managed to to pull it off. Mm. Well, speaking That's of Emma, really I'm going to go right in there and give this week's episodes four and a half yogurts to four tide you. Four and a half yogurts to tide you over before tea. That was funny. <laughs> I thought that bit was a bit weird. That was a Alina, weird Alina and Emma are line. turning into such a strange couple of people. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you can tell that they they there must be a ritual where they always have a yogurt at five o'clock. <laughs> they must have gone on, on Google and like searched all those images of women laughing at yogurts and thought it looked like oh, a really slimming good... up this oh be. look we could have so much fun if we just eat a yogurt um, <laughs> I, I, I think four and a half feel four doesn't four doesn't feel high enough for this but maybe four and a half feels too high but no I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to well, it well I'll give it a four because I think then we average out I think yeah. what it should be really yeah and, and, and the, the exciting thing is next week unless they totally screw up, feels like it could be an equally Good week. brilliant week. I'm going to give it four pistols of truth. <laughs> You're shooting from the head. Pew, pew. Character of the week. I should have given it four meta detectors. <laughs> four meta Brilliant. Um, character of the week. I mean... Yasmin standing up to Jeff was pretty good. Fun. I know it's got to be Yasmin, and she is she is shooting up the 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 character um, ranking poll. I reckon thingy. I really loved. Well, anyone who's got a major storyline going on really has to get a few characters of the week. Otherwise, something serious. She, she's already on. in our. I can't remember what position she's on because Rebecca updates us every now and then. She's already definitely in our top five. Thank she you, might Rebecca. be in our top three. In fact, I think that if we if we both vote Yaz this week, and I'm not doing it in order for this to happen, she she might be, like, going up to number two. Well, I was going to vote for her anyway, because... I think I will. That dream sequence, she played it really well. I can't... Yeah, oh, I, I can't remember. I thought remember. that was good. I really liked what... I'm just thinking, round the top, and I cannot remember the order. I think we've got Jenny as our number one. Phelan is or was number two, he but he be. is really close to being dethroned. Sally, David, and Yasmin, those are oh. our top five in, in I can't remember what order but the order's changing a lot because we're giving it I think we gave Sally last week Yaz is doing a lot at the moment Phelan's going to get dethroned well, no, before long you know what Jenny could as well if, if, well, if Yasmin keeps this up she better up her game and start learning the children of animals <laughs> that's all it takes what are the children of animals <laughs> um, catlings <laughs> catlings um, what were we saying you are you going to vote for her to be character? I'm voting for Yasmin. The, really yeah, you said the dream sequence else. is great. The uh, standing, and up, to standing up to Jeff. Yeah, that phone and, call and that, on Wednesday was also, fantastic. Not just that, but the meeting she had with Elaine, mm. where she was like trying to comprehend what was going on. Yeah, but I mean, fair play. There's there's quite a lot of, char- a lot of other characters that could have been there. I mean, Jeff. It could have been again, maybe partly. Oh, I tell you what, he worked really was, hard on he, that. Yeah, yeah, party. That was Whoa, he, he did he a great job this week. Um, Gary was better. He was more entertaining this week than he's been for a long time. I think. I think Adam still winded me up a little bit with how insistent and, and obsessed. Sarah's right. He is totally obsessed with him. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the Daniel, I mean, he's, he wasn't character of the week material this week, but I, no. I, I really like that twist in I the don't, story. I think they're both mad. It's Him creepy and as heck. Are, should both have their heads popped together. I, I really enjoyed that twist. What's going to happen with... The thing is, 
if so now we are definitely in a, a covid world now oh yeah so you can't go cuddling with her what is going to happen with that because he can't really like he can go to her this is a thing but is he going to put his son's life in danger because i would say it's a very high risk behavior to go to somebody who clearly has will have other clients mm. who she's seeing and she might be exposed to i hadn't even thought that. about that and and Bertie is going to be vulnerable and and I think I wouldn't be surprised if he did go I mean, to her anyway he's always, has, he, has, he, has he had his injections yet Bertie I can't remember what is Covid vaccine <laughs> yeah, like, you know he's just he's, he, he, do you remember the anti-vaccine story yeah I do remember it just but that, wouldn't that make him more paranoid to avoid Nikki if he could but mm. they can't do that because they obviously want her to be in the show yeah, that a, really a does put a dampener a, on. A big role, this seems. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's going to be significant in some manner. I hope that they do, you know, I think I don't know it. whether they get... Yeah, they can't just brush it under the carpet now, unfortunately. No, it, it's have to come where. up with some kind of batty reason mm. why. Like, perhaps she'll, perhaps she'll be like, well, I, you know, I can't have any clients anymore, so I'm going to move in with you. But I don't think that you can just... Maybe she can just form a bubble with them. She, she can't perform a bubble with him and then not have any other clients. The, th- the thing is, with all of she's, this... She's, she must have loads of... Co- she can't just survive on 150 quid. I don't know how often he's going to her. A week or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, it's really difficult to know what Corrie will and won't allow characters to do and which rules and they will and won't because the fact that coronavirus has just suddenly appeared... You can't expect them to allow all the characters to completely comply with the rules because that wouldn't make sense because that's not what people do and Coronation Street isn't about modelling best best case scenarios and what you should do in every situation that's not the point of the show uh, they might have to chuck a dis- disclaimer up because I'm sure people will accuse them of being irresponsible if people do things that aren't that don't make sense. I'm sure people are moaning about um, Bernie and Brian being in a car together for example but you can't just n- not have anybody do anything because then, you know, we wouldn't have had Gary murdering Rick because it's naughty <laughs> and, and, and illegal. They might have to throw a disclaimer up going, you know... Just give us some slack, follow, OK? Well, no, follow the guidelines. Like, well, this is what, in, in my magazine, before lockdown happened, I was working on an issue that we then had to modify. And one of the things that we did was somebody who lives in Japan wrote a column about what they do when they when they're in in Japan, how they how they do stuff, and they they have different as things. In, as in how they're reacting to how the, like the yeah. Pandemic. So like they wore masks from the beginning, but also other stuff like gargling. Like they used they gargle when they come home, which we don't do. No. Um, but I I made sure that on there we had a little disclaimer going. Follow the guidelines in your local area according to the government. Don't mm. just read a magazine or watch a TV show and say, "Oh, they're doing it, so it's fine for me." Yeah, I mean they've had all these um, warnings before Coronation Street for the past few months, saying this was filmed before COVID. And they didn't have so it today, didn't they? Well, I don't think so. I can't remember now because it wasn't. No, I know, but I mean, just because they're now. Yeah, but it's got Post-Covid, of, yeah, it doesn't mean not, that everything's fine and anything goes. No, I know, goes. but it's not... The, the reason that was there before was because people were watching things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. So now, that really, logically speaking, they should have a disclaimer saying, these characters are fictional, you Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do what they do. Do we really have to tell you this? Yeah, yeah, true. 
Right. I think that's enough. That was like, that's been our longest street talk for quite a while. But well, that's it because was, we had to talk about this week. We had to talk about the, how they they're dealing with the COVID stuff, and we had to talk about dream sequences. Yes. Yes, we did. We did. We had to. So, so we, should we do a bit of news? Should we I think we should news? do some news. Find out what's been going on in the world of Coronation Street this week. In the cabin. <laughs> Time for some news, and we'll start, as we have done the last couple of weeks, with a little chat about this week's Coronation Street special that aired on Monday, the Coronation Street Villains Programme, which is very, very exciting. Not just because villains were some of our favourite things about Coronation Street, but also because we featured in the credits. Oh, yes. We didn't just feature in the credits, we featured in the show. We didn't feature in the show, but one of our pictures did. taken by... One of us. We did try and share one of our, our excitement about this at the time on social media, but if you went around then and you did spot our name in the credits, what happened was um, we were contacted a couple of months ago, I think, by um, somebody at ITV who wanted to use a picture of Alan Bradley's blue plaque that's outside the Strand Hotel in Blackpool, which we took when we were there. When was it, 2017, 2018? I can't remember. We went there for a, a wedding anniversary trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we just obviously took photos of everything. And um, this person wanted to have a photo of the plaque and um, they, they stumbled across ours online. And um, yeah, they, they wanted to use that. And they, they and said like, because we were, yes. they were right in the middle of COVID and everything, they didn't want to go travelling and you know, taking pictures of things unnecessarily. Um, so yeah, they asked us whether we could do it. We had to sign, or I had to sign... Um, like a proper ITV legal document and everything. It's all very clandestine and secretive. But we still didn't know at the time exactly what it was going to be used for, did we? I think they said it was for a a Corrie compilation clip show thing, but yeah. we didn't know much more than that. Yeah. And, that. and I think it was probably the week after that or a couple of weeks after that when this series of specials was, was officially announced. So we, we had, had heard rumblings beforehand that this was going to happen. But we couldn't say anything. We couldn't. Due and then, to legal reasons. Exactly. And now, now we can say it. That was our photo. Good photo. Yeah, eh? and we got our name in the credits and archives. We weren't sure, were we? We didn't know whether we'd be credited or not. We did well, ask to I be credited. Well, I always request credits and... Um, Usually, if they won't give them to me, I'll say, no, you can't use it. And when the photo um, appeared on screen, then we weren't credited then, time, were we? And we thought, oh, they, they, they haven't done it. But we actually appeared with the proper, proper credits at the end. It's so exciting. This but time we, we did, we were happy for them. Like, I would have said, OK, just fine, use it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't even spot it in the credits originally, did we? Because they, they did the thing where they you know, shrink the credits down pretty quickly and then they moved back. No, it fast, wasn't shrunk. Wasn't it? You just weren't looking properly. I wasn't looking you properly. Gave up. We got to the end of the credits and we're like, oh well. I rewound then... it because I was like, I bet, oh, oh I was just going to check. No, I, I, well, I think, I think, well, as you were checking, we also got a message from someone online saying, you just saw you credited in the programmes that happened at the yeah, same time. I, I... All right. Yeah. No, we both we found it at the same time. Oh, whatever. Um, yeah, and it's very, very exciting. Have. What are we down as? Getting archives credits, or something. We're arguing about credits for who found the credit. So we we're, we were credited for archiving and we were at the top of the archiving list because, because they had it in alphabetical order. And, and I'm just going to say that I'm glad that we vetoed the idea of calling ourselves the Aardvark Coronation Street Podcast because <laughs> we didn't need to. We didn't even need to, did we? No. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so, so exciting to have our, our podcast name officially credited on a proper piece of you know itv produced That's coronation go, street related material forever definitely next up is talking heads yeah um please anyway what about the program itself that was pretty good I as well wasn't I, it? I didn't watch it what were we do- <laughs> who did they talk about oh they had a they had a little clip no, of joe we Dinelli, thought it was they? great yeah it was it was joe awesome Dinelli, and it was, they also did one. quite an extensive bit on pat feeling now if you don't like pat feeling you wouldn't have liked this but this was the first time i think 
that they had had a chance to talk about the Pat Phelan storyline. In clip show in format. Clip, yeah. And yeah. it's obviously going to go down in Coronation Street history and it's we're all going to get sick of it in about 10 years' time when we've seen hundreds of shows with these same clips in. But this was the first time they'd used it because it's so recent. Yeah. Oh, and it was really it was lovely good. just to revisit that and go. And we were like, oh, it was good. It we was were, good. We were talking over a lot of it. Yeah, mostly we just did. like, oh, look at that. Oh, look, he's just shooting. We weren't me. even. Oh, do you remember that? And Andy really. and Vinny. We were. We it were was, just chatting. It brought back so look many good memories oh, of a really. I loved it when he killed Luke. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant oh, area Andy. of coronation. Oh, what? Street. He was in there for a year. Oh, that was so good when they revealed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was brilliant. Oh, so good. As, oh, I love as it. much as there have been some stories since then that I've enjoyed, for example, I am enjoying the Jeff and Yasmin's story it I, I hand on heart I can't say that it holds a candle to the feeling saga I don't saga. know why you always have to do this you always have to minimise things by comparing them I'm maximising no, that feeling story you don't story. need to compare things and say that was it was just you oh, always my, do this such a fantastic couple of years and I know there are there are lots of people out there that, that hated the story hated him and everything but my gosh there, there was some Really, really classic scenes there. Interesting as well that they did choose that one to focus more heavily on than the Richard Hillman story. And they even said something like, so, but who is the biggest, baddest villain of them all or something, didn't they? I think, I, I honestly, you have to say that Pat is a worse villain than Richard. Richard kind of paved the way, but Pat was worse. Worse is better. Yeah. <laughs> he was more wicked. And we get to see Michelle getting shot again in a way. Yeah, we do get we went, Yeah, get her. <laughs> when he shot Michelle. Yeah. And, like, yes. <laughs> and then, and then Anna, Anna stuns Yeah, and we were like, boo. <laughs> <laughs> but they did have a good section about um, Richard Tillman as well, didn't they? I can't remember who I was featured. Um, no one important. No. Alan Bradley. Alan, oh yeah, of course. Alan Bradley was there, wasn't he? Yeah, with the job really plaque. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a really really great show. If you like horror villains and you haven't watched it, it's well worth watching. Oh, I love it, love it. Next week is um, partnership. So that that's got the potential to be quite good as well. I'm hoping for lots of Stan and Hilda clips and uh, Jack and Vera, uh, and and maybe even partnerships like maybe some Rita. You know, two double. Uh, what's it called? Whammy. Two two acts. No. Double act. I'm thoroughly enjoying these and I I'm definitely have converted onto yeah we don't need Corey talking heads it's fine to have unless a, we're going to do it yes oh, but although they did have I don't know whether you even saw this actually did you see the oh no I sent it to you the clip tell me on Instagram that Coronation Street put on Monday morning with Connor McIntyre at, at the Alamo yeah. saying uh, oh watch, watch this programme tonight they're going to yeah, be talking all cool. about yeah. it's nice to see him again it looks well he does indeed. Um, I was going to say now. Now we've we've proven a use for our photo photographs. Yes. Now we have to go back and do everything again, but do videos for YouTube, because I don't think anyone's ever done set tours or like fo- like location filming videos. Is here it is for Coronation Street. What do you mean, fans? Yeah, have they? Um, there might have been a few. Be a I mean, few. not not extensive. I'm, I don't know why I'm, I'm saying I've got this, stuck in my head the, the the tour of um the old curry set. Now it's all overgrown and like zombie. Oh yeah, there's an, I I found a YouTube thing like apocalypse set tour. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's been a few, but I mean, we no, that somebody posted it on a Facebook group. That's right, that's right. But we're in Manchester in a few it. weeks. We might do a few clips there, but not a behind the scenes thing because we won't no, be getting no, no, anywhere no, near no. behind the scenes or even in front of the scenes or anything because it's cordoned off for COVID. But we can still take some pictures and videos of Manchester stuff, can't we, when we're there? Very exciting. Maybe we should go there and take a big stick with us and um, beat fans back 
from the celebrities. Yes. Although they have got security Dave there to do that kind of thing, but I'm sure... Outside... Yeah, I thought you were going to say, get take a big stick and attach our camera to it and just whoop, it over. Over, the, over the roof and see what's going on. Hello. Over the wall. <laughs> Don't mind us, carry on. Well, that's one way of getting behind the scenes at Coronation Street. Another way this week was watching Media City UK spotlight on Rovers to the Re- Return to the Rovers, which was an online webinar thing on Facebook um, that Media City's Facebook page did. I've explained that Everyone's really well, really haven't I, everybody? Bored, aren't they? This that's was good. Why. They're doing these things. Um, this was um, in in the light of Curry's return to um, you know, work and, and tonight's episode being all post-COVID. They put on... I'll oh, go on. So this was Media City Spotlight on Return to the Rovers where they talk about coming back to production after lockdown. Yes. Now this, to me, seems like a bit of a dry run for the kind of stuff that they hope to do in the new expansion thing that they're building onto the side of the set where they're going to have a theatre room with press yeah. stuff and I can really see them doing panel things like this there because yeah. at the moment there's not really anywhere that they can do this like an online thing makes perfect sense because there's not a facility to do that mm-hmm. they'd have to rent somewhere oh I'm hoping that we're going to see more and more of these and, and I, I mean they're not I, it depends how well they think whether they think it's worth it and how many viewers they get and everything because I mean, watching this live, as I did, there were between 30 and 40 people looking on, which isn't loads, but, yeah, but they have uploaded it to Facebook afterwards or YouTube, wherever you can, can for, rewatch it. For the press and have 10 people come. Mm. Or, and they and there's no reason why that it should be exclusive to the press when yeah. they now have the facility and the and their... I mean, it's just as easy for them to film it and put it on the internet as it is... I don't know. It depends, but the press might not like it sometimes no, because they, they, they want to be able to break yeah, the news themselves, don't they? Of course they? that's the case. It's mm. always That will always be the case. The press will protect their access to things. Yeah, and but, I think quite often but, these... Oh, go on. Well, no, this is what's happening to media as well. This is what companies have been doing for years with social media, reaching directly to fans without the intermediaries. Mm. But, mm. you know, we are one of those intermediaries as well. Yeah. But we're also fans, so... Mm. Step between the yeah. two. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to know whether it was more, you know, press people or, or Corey fans that watched this the other day, because I really don't know about that, and I've not seen a whole load of press about it afterwards, but it, it felt like it was done, you know, for for the media, but not as much as the last one, which was, what, a month or two months ago, which was... I thought um, that was like a pitch to try and get someone to sponsor them. Yeah, it was. That was... that like was a business the, thing. That was something that was commercial. Um, but yeah, this was um, so they had they had Dan Brackelbank there, who was also at that last one. It seems like he's the guy to show in front of the camera if you it's want to. Because he's really member. bored because of lockdown. And he's quarantine. very charming. Yeah. Um, there was Lee Rayner, who's the senior production manager at Coronation Street. Lindsay Williams, story producer, a story producer at Coronation Street, and Dan Archibald, <gasps> digital producer Dan. at Coronation Street, also known Dan, as the social media Dan, man. Dan, the social media man. Uh, it was really interesting. It was an hour of talking about... His you know, name's Digital Producer. That's cool. Yes. He produces We're digital producers as well. We are, we are. It's not on our... You're, you're a digital managing director. <laughs> I'm bossing you about, basically. The only part of our relationship where I can. Yeah, Talk about this tonight. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, no, it was cool. There was there was a lot of stuff which, um, if you've been following the Corrie News in recent months, you'll know. So they talked about... Um, you know, all the safety measures that are being put in place. They're telling you about the two metre distancing and um, being in bubbles and everything. So there, were, there was a lot of yeah stuff where I was thinking, I, I know this, I know this. 
but um, there were also some uh, quite a few interesting snippets as well. One thing that stood out to me, which Dan Brocklebank pointed out, which um, does sound very interesting to me, is in the scripts that have been put together post-COVID, where there can't be so many physical character interactions, apparently the scenes, he says, are a lot more character-led. And he even said, I think... Um, there's been rather than being more story led or plot led they're character led um so that could be quite cool because um people have been um critical of coronation street in recent years for being more about the sensationalism and about the plots and everything less about the characters so that'd be interesting if they were just more you know talky scenes well this is the thing like are are they going to inadvertently stumble upon a, a winning formula with Coronation Street. Well, yeah, it may be. Because... all people like this kind of thing. Because because ever since Coronation Street has had competition, not just from other soaps, but increasingly from streaming services and and everything and every, anything to take people's eyes away from terrestrial television, Coronation Street and, and everything has been upping the ante to try to make more and more dramatic things. Mm. But even judging from the reaction to people having going down to three episodes a week has been positive. Yeah. And it's really interesting to think, is this really going is this really going to work to get more people in? Is it gonna draw people back? Could do. The thing is about about it is that it's a it's a gamble made of necessity. So they have got a really good opportunity to establish once and for all do this is what modern audiences want or not yeah and they- and their the hand has been forced so the risk i think you know you, you there isn't the risk is negated because you can't not do it. Mm. Yeah, so more more character stuff and also longer scenes he mentioned as well. So we'll have to keep an eye out for those because because there are a few well, cast yeah, members on set s- at once. You can in afford episode, a bit more time. There can be so many so many scenes, mm. so many different scenes. It'd be interesting. Yeah, to have fewer. But mm. they, they they've said. Um, I think Lee said that they the drive is still to get back to normal as soon as possible. But he did also say we're hoping to stick with longer character driven scenes that we're doing now as well. So I think, you know, internally at least, this new way of doing things feels like it's going well. And there's yeah maybe going to be more a bit more of a push to keep that kind of thing. But you're right, it just depends on how the audience reacts. And this is one of the things that Dan Archibald was talking about because part of his job is seeing how, you know, what the buzz is on social media and everything. And he says that there has been an awful lot of positivity from fans and they're a little bit nervous when they had to announce, oh, we're going down to three episodes a week, la, 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 what are people going to say? But on the whole, the, the Corrie viewers have been very, very positive about it's it. It's one of those things, though, that is going to be tricky to judge how much of that is just down to general goodwill of people going, it's okay if it's not perfect because we know that things are going on in the world. Yeah. And also viewing figures, how you know, how can you tell what is due to COVID and what's due to what you're actually doing? Yeah. And yeah. also the other thing about that what's happened with coronavirus has it's been made everything it's really unpredictable how people how people's viewing habits and consuming habits have changed. Like, for example, I didn't think this would happen, but podcast listening has gone down. Mm. And that's probably because people aren't commuting as much yeah. and they're not not going to work and doing mindless tasks where they want something to distract themselves. They're, they're spending more time at home and they don't necessarily want to listen to podcasts. And that's not how I consume podcasts. I, I listen to them all the time, basically. <laughs> but many people only listen to them when they're going to work or something. Yeah. 
so that's that was to me that was an unexpected side effect of of coronavirus i thought we we might even get some new listeners we haven't it hasn't made a change in the increase that we see no, ongoing not, not of new listeners no. but um it, on the whole like I said, podcast mm. has gone down. Speaking of viewership, though, um, one of the other things that Dan Archibald was saying was that um, with all the social media engagement, they they did try to up the ante with that as a partly as an attempt to bring back lapsed viewers. And he talked about some people that only tune in to watch, you know, the big stunts or the you know the episode that are on the front pages or whatever. And he wanted to get more people engaged to try and hook them back in. And he has to view figures went. Oh yeah, but I mean, it it seems to have worked. And and as we say, we don't know exactly what it is that has led to th- these figures going up and the the positivity scale or whatever going up but it's every thing, li- it's every so little things, helps really so many things have changed mm. the cory but good news they talked about Brilliant. um which i mean we thought that was fantastic um and and uh, lots of other people agreed apparently the shelley king and ian uh, bartholomew interview episode was the most uh, popular, popular one of that and that was the the most uh, social media buzzy day on Twitter as well. And one of the things that Dan said was very, very exciting is that there's possibility that Corrie Good News could come back later on in the year. And that made me do a little woohoo when he said that. Because I, awesome. as much as I would love that, I never thought that, I, I think I thought, no, that's, that's gone, that's over with now. They, they dropped that as soon as Corrie was back to work. We won't see that again. And it's definitely not a confirmation that it's happening again. But they, they, they said that there's a possibility of it coming back. Because um, one of the things that you could do as you were watching this live was type in some questions and somebody asked what's what's the plans digital wise for the 60th anniversary and that was one of the things that Dan said um he also says that part of his job is basically making sure everybody knows that the 60th anniversary is coming up and getting everyone talking about it well I want, um, so I want to cut then well, yeah I know because we've been doing that <laughs> he's also ha- hoping to have um opportunities for audience-led creativity and also you've written digital-led stunts digital-led stunts to support the show and that makes me think of what we were talking about when we did our bonus episode about what we wanted from the 60th before all this all went down and we said something like some kind of online thing where you could supplement your viewing with people as characters updating their twitter yeah or something like that could yeah could that, be that to me i mean honestly i i don't know if it would be right to do it on the 60th but i really really want coronation street to use that idea because i think it's such a it was my idea so i think it's such a good idea <laughs> so that's what digital ed stunts in is not like some kind of cyber terrorism plot or anything well no like that's that. what i think it means but i don't <laughs> i didn't watch it you did no i think that's what it means i think you're right um so it, it is but don't all... you think do you see what i mean yeah like, it could be like the first i don't know if a show's a show's done this before Get, or, getting or the, a soap. getting the viewers involved with cory good news and and oh, also yeah, well but... that's something different it's all about yeah getting the viewers engaged and the other one of the other things you mentioned was like the the pub quizzes and things that they put on social media at half past eight some evenings and when people would be tuning back in for the second quarry obviously weren't able to they're still engaging with coronation street so that's all it's all sounds very very positive there um what else was there um oh lindsay the um the story producer was talking about the fact that one of the things that she's found the most challenging is the fact that they're having to juggle so many more episodes in their head than they normally would do and although that may not sound like it makes sense because there were fewer episodes they're now already starting to think about how are we going to how are we going to sort the 60th out because we had our plans for that now we're not going to be able to we're going to have to rejig things this story is going to happen 
in fewer episodes than it was going to. How can we work that about out again? They're also thinking about 2021 as well. It seems One like thing, they're having to have a whole, you know, a whole array of episodes in their heads that they wouldn't normally do at this point of the year. One thing that is way more difficult than people that than people give credit it credit for is editing stuff down. Mm. Anyone can just come up with loads and loads of nonsense like we do on the podcast every week. We just <laughs> talk about edit hours and hours it and hours, never edit it down. But what they've got to do now is tease out what's the most important things and what can we say without losing too much. Mm. And that that is way more difficult than coming up with it in the first place. Yeah, I don't. I do not envy anybody working on the behind the scenes of Coronation Street right now because this is a landmark year, mm. and they have got to be so creative yeah and and um well some of the creativity and i I don't want to give spoilers out here but there there is going to be a stunt coming up um in in future weeks on coronation street and one of the things that you need to look out for is a a mannequin from underworld being used to in the place of a cast member this sounds mad (laughs) is it like weekend at bernie's I, I think it's a little bit like Weekend um, at Bernie Winters <laughs> with all the babies face. I think it's like Home Alone where Kevin tries to persuade people that they're in at Dancing home Dancing yeah. with the van mannequins <laughs> going round on the train track yeah. Luckily Roy can help them with that <laughs> um, Yeah so so um, I think that was mostly it I, I, can't, I think the question that I asked was about um, the fact that they're still writing and shooting you know over a month in advance and how How's that like? Because you don't know what the government guidelines are going to be by the time the episode airs. For example, the pubs are open now. And she, and um, Lindsay answered that one and said, we just need to, all we can do is stick with what the government guidelines are when we plan. We can still, you know, there's still time for slight rewrites if they need to. But yes, but viewers have to accept that sometimes they they're are. at a different pace. Yeah. Um, okay. and, and that was one of the reasons why they're not being too heavy handed about the pandemic, because... It's impossible to be heavy handed. It's impossible to be heavy handed about something when you yeah you don't know how it's going to be. And well, in six think weeks about time. the fact that they resumed filming ages ago yeah, when we were still in lockdown. Six weeks or so. Well, we were just coming out of lockdown. Yeah. But everything, every quarantine was still fresh in everyone's minds, and people were clamouring for Coronation Street to do something like Emmerdale did with like lockdown stories. But if they were to start showing those kind of episodes now, everyone would be like, no, no, no. Yeah, they're, exactly. they're too behind the times of this. It's, it's impossible to do it. And like I said before, so. I think maybe next year we'll there'll be time for us to be entertained or intrigued or whatever by stories that are set during the lockdown. But I think now everyone just kind of wants to forget it happened. Mm. Like we all just want want to get over it now and get back to normal. And I think that that is not going to happen necessarily. But mm. I don't think people want to watch stuff mm. that's too heavy handed. Um, well, anyway, that was, it was a really um, interesting uh, event. It was. I'm glad that I was able to find out about it and get involved with it, watch it live. Um, it was cool to see, you know, more behind the scenes stuff. Um, and you can, if you go onto Media City UK's Facebook page, um, you can you can watch it yourself. I heartily recommend it. It was if you hosted like that sort by Media City and not by ITV or Coronation Street. Yeah. Are they doing a series of things like this then? I don't know. It, there, there was also something else that was I haven't written the details down. Good it job. was Media City in collaboration with X. But fantastic work. Uh, yeah, brilliant journalism from me there. Anyway, it it was it was great, lovely stuff. Um and also we got to see um a bit about inside Dan Archibald's house and he's got a Mewtwo amiibo like me. 
Amiibo <laughs> Amiibo pal. Um, right, last... See, this is why I said one thing I said on Twitter. One good thing about lockdown is that now we all know what every celebrity, what their best wall in their house looks like. Yes. So you guys, like, we're celebrities now, too, obviously, because we've been in the credits. So you now know what our best wall looks like. You now know what, also, other famous person, Dan Archibald's what best wall looks like. <laughs> if you want to know... And Shelley King's best wall, we can find yeah. out by watching the YouTube video of her. And, it, an and, of me. and Ben Price has a selection of walls that you can look at on Twitter because <laughs> Ben Price Fan Club uploaded a selection so we could all oh, pick our favourite yeah. wall. <laughs> Um, last bit of news just to round this off and it's a get well soon message for Kel Allen who's the, the lady that plays Laura Nealon on Coronation Street because she broke her big toe in four places this week it's which sounds jelly sore it's not even that much sore. of a toe to break in four places what you done? well you broke your big toe once didn't you? because I kicked a door because you wouldn't catch a spider for me yes there was a spider on the wall Gemma kicked the wall I, I, I yeah A&E the next day I was trying to watch. Harry, I was trying to read. Trying Harry to Potter. read Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix because that <laughs> came out on the same day. So my my memories of what reading Order of the Phoenix was sitting in Southampton General's waiting room for you. Good times. Anyway, get well soon, Cal. That's it for news. Let's move on to some feedback. All oh, right, a bit of feedback then. Um, we got. Uh, well, Coronation Street got 3.03 on average on a Facebook group last week. So oh. a very middling week. I think we went for a three and a half last week. So um, Facebook skewed a little bit lower. Shay gave it three pit sticks. <laughs> Chad gave it three emigrating children. <laughs> and uh, Hill was my favourite one last week. He gave it three rolls of lace for fancy lady kecks. Out of five. <laughs> I think that was a backup nice. one that I, that I was going to say as well, Hill. But you, you beat me to it. Yeah. Um, right. We, we Another load of feedback this week it's lovely getting all these emails and stuff people getting in touch with us to tell us about what they think about the podcast and the show and stuff um but yeah let's let's get straight on with it with an email from john who has got some stuff to say about um the show about the 80s stuff that we've been talking about on, on youtube this week well i've been talking about it. no you were talking about it as well I forgot. Just read the bloody email. Yeah, I think I should. Thank you for the readout last week. I had to listen to the feedback section three times as Gemma's ASMR put me to sleep the first two. It was like Bob Ross talking Corrie instead of painting. Though I'm sure Gemma's hair isn't as fluffy. Can't hold a curl. Daniel wouldn't snuggle up in it. He's not welcome. Loved your 80s character ratings video, says John. Agree wholeheartedly with Gemma's point regarding character longevity and the expansion of the cast, diluting the prominence of certain characters. More episodes require more stories, requiring more cast, but is that to the detriment of characters? Mm -hmm. How many of the cast now, even though I rated some of them five in the survey, will in 2080 be as remembered as by cast and Doris B, Gene Alexander, Pat Phoenix is now? Looking at the characters brought in around 2000, I'd say very few, if any. Ooh. It's hard, isn't it's hard it? hard to say. Yeah. You're I, right, I, those, those uh, names that you said will sort of live on forever. Uh, yeah. I would say in, in the, the hearts Law. of Corrie fans. But I don't know. Can't speculate. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure in 2080 I'm people sure... will still be making jokes about Joni. <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening has their own opinions on who will be remembered in Or who should be remembered. Mm, yeah. Um, I agree with Michael about the 80s facing and going through wholesale changes, be it the new outdoor set, the 83-84 problems of major stars resigning, other actors with off-screen issues leaving, replacement characters not working, actors leaving despite planned story arcs, the competition from the new soaps, EastEnders, Brookside, and in the middle of the decade, the Aussie takeover with Neighbours Home in the Way and the expansion of episodes to include a Friday visit. Spoilers, we're only on 81. 
Thinking of the issue's face, I actually feel for the producers at the time, Bill Podmore, Mervyn Watson, John G. Temple, and later David Liddermont. Looking back, especially during the 83-84 period, it must have been a hell of a stressful ride to produce that show. So, um, somebody's listening to this now going... Uh, <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yes, the 70s had behind-the-scenes issues, but I feel the early 80s really was a testing time. Yet from watching episodes from the era, the trauma really wasn't that noticeable. In fact, two off-screen events led to two memorable stories with the deaths of Lennon and Stan. Uh, spoilers again. You knew that's happening. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, especially Stan's episode. Because you know oh, what happens no, after Stan don't dies, like don't you? Shut and up. you've seen that scene lots of times before, but it's I not meant like anything it. to you. All right. But now you love the Ogdens, so I want tears, Gemma, when I'm she's snapping cold. that glasses box shut. In relation to character ratings, John says, I agreed with most of yours. Don gave me nightmares as a character, even before the taxi ride to the canal. Not sure if it's Ivy's affecting him, but I never got along with Don. It's so weird because I still, I still mostly find him great when, when I've been watching him on ITV3. I did give Jim a three, so I did, marked down due to his violence to Liz and the woeful Katie Conn story. And we've seen more of that on ITV3 recently as well. And I think when we... You were, have. I, I have, yeah. And I think we recorded the 80s video like about three or four weeks ago, I think, didn't we? And um, some of the stuff that's happened in there... Um, sorry, some of the people, the characters we were talking about there, I would have more to say on just having seen them more yeah, on the forget, 90s this, episodes. The thing about this, this Choropedia ranking thing is that you're supposed to rank it according to what you think. It's not like they say, come back when you've watched every episode yeah. of Coronation Street, then you're allowed an opinion. Mm. Curly has a solid four, worked great with Raquel, and even though I wasn't as enamoured with Reg as Michael is, they did have a good <laughs> double act. For most of his run, Martin Platt was as dull as the dishwater <laughs> he used to clean the plates in Jim's cafe. But what he did have his moment, he, 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 he did, did have, have his moments with Mad Carmel, oh yeah, that was a good story, and the affair with the nurse. A solid three, and Sean worked well with Helen Worth. I threed Phyllis and Percy, oh, nice. fought Elmer, but the rest scored quite low. Oh no. I'd also had no idea Pina Armitage passed away. Peter, not Pina. I said Peter. We did, did we mention that on the podcast? I think we did. So sorry to hear this news. I really like Bill Webster. A solid character. Clearly a replacement for Len, who I think the bosses had big plans for. Sadly, Peter decided to leave his initial stint after a year. So the long oh. story arc for Bill had to be dropped. Where did the Websters move to in 1993? Germany. Southampton. Finally, about the 80s, I feel the bosses tried and failed to bring in many no- new long-termers. I know you can't strike gold all the time, but there seemed to be more misses than hits in the 80s, such as the Claytons, the Whiteleys, etc. By and large, however, considering everything, I feel it was a very good decade on the screen for Corrie, with some much-remembered stories in the face of much stronger competition. Mm. Well, as we say, Jeremy, we're just in the very, very early 80s at yeah. the moment, so I'm, I mean, if, I, I think it should be a good decade. I've kind of been looking forward to this one as being you know where it really steps up a gear and i hope that it doesn't i hope it doesn't disappoint despite the fact that yeah some of the new characters they brought in weren't necessarily the most memorable quickly moving into 2020 great to see paula wilcox on the street hopefully yasmin will use her to gain strength and realize she wasn't the only one jeff abused the split screen is growing on me it actually worked well this week showing jeff's reaction to yasmin's refusal to say i love you in return and her increasing self-belief Daniel's story is so empathetic and real in my eyes. He needs help, and the fact he feels so alone is still grieving and just needs someone to be with and is willing to pay for it is heartbreaking. So we, we focus I also more on... think that Nikki... Uh, Nikki has a much bigger story out than just this. We, we focused in more on the isn't it creepy and weird, but I, did, I said earlier it's very, very sad, isn't it? It could be sad and it, creepy and weird it, all at the same time. It, it really is. They've... I also think... I don't know if they're going to get a chance to explore this or or not, but it would certainly make sense to me that 
all the stresses that Daniel is already feeling because of, of grieving for Sinead mm. would be exacerbated because of the COVID-19 situation and the fact that he may very well not have been able to see anybody in person. Yeah. Not that it makes sense given the way the story is played out on the screen, but there must be many people who are dealing with grief and also loneliness. Mm, mm, definitely. That has been forced upon them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, th- Daniel needs some... Some friends, really, at the moment. He hasn't got any friends. No, and but if everyone's you know distancing from each other, you can't. No. Um, The Gary plot stepped up a notch to around two and a half on the gripping (laughs) scale. Not got me rushing for the TV guide to see what happens next. Five and not ten. I yeah, but although he did, this email was sent before tonight's episode, so I wonder whether it's you know hitting three after today for uh, (laughs) for John. Brian and Kathy annoyed as usual, and Jeff still having a hospital radio show and getting away with talking about personal issues was equally frustrating. Oh, do you know what? I watched this and I, I, I understood why they put him in the hospital radio because he, he had one and it made sense. But it would have made so much more sense if he had had a podcast. Because as we all know, you can waffle on for hours about something nobody's interested in and get yeah. away with it because you're beholden to nobody. It's an emerging medium. It would have made sense if... It, I, I think, also think Jeff strikes me as the sort of person who's got his own podcast. You know, those pompous, arrogant people that people want to listen to them yabbering. Anyway, John gave it three and a half coercive control-based used library books out of five for this week. (laughs) I'm wondering when it was sent. Maybe it was sent after tonight's episode. I'm sure it wasn't. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Gemma. Oh, it doesn't matter, does it? It's good opinions whenever it was sent. has said, she thinks Jasmine shouldn't get back together with death and hopes something happens soon to change her mind. And it looked like at the end of the episode, she was actually considering it. Jeff this was sent, I has think, not been completely letter. honest with Tim. He will not talk to him about everything he does. I know that people in this situation take back their partners and it would be interesting. It's great of Leanne to give the go-ahead to Toya about the fostering. I have to wonder what will happen if Toya and Imran actually foster a kid. We didn't really talk earlier about the fact that, the fact that Toya put the brakes on it and is like, no, we can't talk about it now. And even though she's been given the go-ahead, really, by Leanne last week, wasn't she? Yeah. So why why is she? It, does she know that Leanne might be saying yes, but it's going to be very I mean, painful no. for her if they if they do it? Or it's also like... going to be a very stressful time as well. I don't think I would really want yeah, to place a, bird, a child yeah. in a situation where the family is grieving for a child that isn't even dead yet. Everyone's going to be feeling That's so true. many complex emotions. This foster child, yes, deserves a home where people are going to take care of them and love them. And it would be sad to deny them that. But at the same time, is Welcome it really mentally healthy, healthy to have them introduced into this situation, which is very, very stressful? Yeah, here's your foster stepbrother-in-law Don't, thing. don't, don't make get, friends. Yeah, don't get too close to him. <laughs> um, and I'm not just talking about social distancing. <laughs> I think Daniel should start settling down instead of trying to get comfort with Nicky. He does have a child. Maybe he ends up marrying Nicky. I like your discussion on Underworld. I have to wonder what they do there. It was a good move on Nick's part to get Carla in. I can't believe they've just been waiting for her to come back. Does this mean we'll finally find out about the roof collapse? I think this will make Gary nervous. Gary's making things worse for himself by giving in to Laura's demands and Adam is doing things that might ruin his marriage. What would happen if Sarah called with Laura? We'll find out. He just tells the truth and it's fine. (laughs) No, she says you're mad. Oh, yeah. 
It's also risky for Adam to try and find evidence. And by the way, where's Maria in all this? That's a very, very good that point. I'd totally forgotten about Maria throughout the whole of uh, look, this. I mean, we've I been am... through a huge amounts of time on Coronation Street in the past where Maria hasn't featured at all. But, I'm you often know, accused she's completely of being got off my radar. mean about Maria and saying she's, she's quite boring, but she is. And she's so boring that you forget that she exists. Yeah. And I mean, the sto- I don't think she would necessarily add anything to it at the moment, but she, I feel that she kind of. She should be there. I'm just wondering, you know, whether whether Samia had to be you know, called out of work because this is one of the things. Like some people had to leave Curry before they stopped filming back in March for for childcare reasons or whatever. Um, and well, there some, are plenty some haven't of been reasons able to get back. So why you would uh, have yeah, to? Yeah, I, I wonder whether she was well, also they supposed can't, to be more involved. Aren't they limiting the number of people in scenes now? Anyway, I really can't see the point of bringing Maria. Must in. be harsh to say. Don't need you. Don't need you. <laughs> don't need you. Yeah, <laughs> Samia's like fair cop. I've been told this for the past twenty years. I've been on the show. Look, Samia is beautiful and talented, and Maria's got potential, but she is not living up to it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, she says Aggie was trying to tell Grace that she she can see Michael because she knows Michael is upset. I have to wonder how you can build a relationship on this kind of thing. I agree with you that if you need your mother-in-law to give you an okay, you do not really love the guy very much. It will not make Michael happy in the long run. I do hope Abby finds a way to say goodbye to the twins, otherwise she will feel guilty later. Don't seem to be bothered. I could not get <laughs> over Jack. His rap was funny, and I like yours too, Jenna. Yay, thank you. Nobody mentioned my rap. It was obviously so embarrassing that everybody just decided not to, <laughs> not to bring it up ever again, which is fair enough. Abby moving in with Kevin will be good for her. Jack needs a mother figure. I wonder how Seb will handle it. I gave last week's episode three Nikki Knights and my character of the week Nikki is Yasmin. <laughs> Nikki Knights. Thank you very much, Nancy. If you have other messages too. Rebecca also um, on last week's Coronation Street says, Grr, Jeff is a swine. I'm almost starting to believe him myself following that phone call to Yasmin at the end of Friday's episode. I'm also enjoying Lucy as she's starting slowly to get Yasmin's confidence back. And also good to see one of the bum phones make a reappearance. <laughs> I'm half wondering if Yasmin says she'll go back to Jeff, but someone like Tim's mum appears to put another spanner in the works. Well, somebody like Tim's mum has certainly appeared, Rebecca, but is it Tim's mum? Who can say? say? <laughs> I'm also glad that Sally is still standing her ground against Tim and saying she's going to give evidence against Jeff. I agree with you two about Abby. She could have had just said a quick goodbye, although I do think that she, if she had made her peace with the twins... No, I do think that she... Had made her peace with the twins, leaving them and seeing them might make things worse. That's that's true as well. We didn't talk about the facts. I mean, it was it was hor- it must have been horrible for the twins last week when they were expecting to see um, Abby, but then they didn't show. But she, when she didn't show up, they would have been pretty distraught by it. But equally, if Abby had come, it would have really, really could have really, really upset them to have said goodbye. You know, I'm not a child psychologist. I don't even know any. Children or psychologists. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, good point, Rebecca. I don't thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, where That's am why I? I like this. The feedback makes you think things. It does make you think uh, things. Think about things from a different perspective. Rebecca's is glad that Kevin and Abby are now living together. Although last time Kevin asked a girl to move in, Anna got burned. So watch out, Abby. <laughs> Literally. Worst thing that's happened. I so didn't notice Jack saying he was doing an online presentation. See, I didn't either. But through the week, Leanne went off screen to wash her hands and Jet wiped his hands with a paper towel. So there were small subtle signs towards COVID. Adam is driving me crazy with his flirting towards Laura. Has he forgotten? He's married. And why isn't anyone confronting him? It's not like it's a secret. He's married Sarah. <laughs> is this the writer's forgot. idea? Like his, like he's his dad? Yeah, maybe. Aww. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, Good Mike certainly would have again. smoothed women Mike in public. Mike would not have thought uh, twice about it. No, certainly not. Gary is also driving me crazy too, but hopefully Carla coming into the factory will make this better. Kurt's balls didn't really bother me. Oh, dear. <laughs> but I can understand how it can annoy other people. Oh, yes. I also agree about Sarah Lou being, never being a boss. Leanne accepting that Toy can foster was cute and lovely. Sarah's the type of person who thinks that you can, like, get a notebook that says girl boss and, like, a series of different highlighters and, some, and a cute pen and that makes you in charge of the situation. Yeah. And that's the extent to which she's probably done and, anything. And, nag. and, like, replaced all of the staplers with, instead of grey metal, they're all, like, rose gold. And that's it. <laughs> I also like Nick and Imran's small scene too. Leanne, you can't go on holiday though, as you'll be in lockdown. <laughs> Rebecca, you're so hard. You can go to Cornwall, Rebecca. But true, but true. No, it's not true at all. Cornwall is fine. Smiling face <laughs> with an open mouth and cold sweat. No, that's, that's an emoji. <laughs> that's an emoji. <laughs> Read out the emoji. I literally just copied and pasted this, this on Twitter. <laughs> 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 Aggie so has something on Grace and thought that something was going to come out of the scene in Roy's, but no, it didn't. Michael singing on Break My Heart grated on me, though. Frowny face. I was, t- <laughs> Shut up. I was starting to feel sorry for him before that scene. Aww. Jenny's phone call to Johnny was funny, but yeah, Johnny needs to come back pronto. <laughs> Again, can he come back now? I don't know. Shut up. I really hope nothing happens between Jenny and Scott. Oh, Finally, God. Daniel is so sleeping with Nikki. No. And it would be interesting if Daniel was just using Nikki and Nikki started to really like Daniel. That would be just a, that would be a twist. Just hope given a discount this time. It's £120 a time. is a bit steep. It's gone up. Character of the week is Leanne. Like Michael said, being a good sister and giving Toy the green light to foster. And I'll give three powerful lady wolves out of five. Mm-hmm. Ah, thank you for that. There's long feedback this week, Rebecca. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, can I just read out some of the tweets that we got? Because I asked everybody what they thought about lockdown on the street and how oh, Carnation you? Street's first episode. Um, well, you must have seen it because you liked one of the replies. Did what I? did you think of Corey's handling of the post-lockdown era? So, Rebecca, I was taken aback at how, to how much there was, but I enjoyed from the small. Enjoyed it from the small. Ryan mentioning ducks and Laura picnics to the big nurse wearing a mask. Tim literally saying coronavirus out loud. Nina wearing gloves and everyone using hand sanitizer. Although. Jenny's hair. Laughy face. Laughy face. Oh, yeah. Laughy Jenny face. just had her hair in curlers today, didn't she? Nancy says, thought it was well done. Yeah, just think that's because it's easier than styling your hair fancy. Yeah, maybe. She's got a shortcut there. <laughs> oh, everyone else is jealous. She thought of it first. <laughs> Nancy says, I thought it was well done. They were socially distanced. Mikey North did a good, great job breaking the detector without hitting anyone. Brian wiped things down. Jenny had her hair in rollers. It was perfect. Adam and Gary were socially distanced. Linda Mitchell says, was not OTT. Patricia just kind of poured water on everything and said, we're behind in episodes in Canada. So, <laughs> there you go. You can't comment if you don't know. Um, John says, contender for best episode of the year so far. Okay. That, maybe that's still the Yaz Jeff episode, but what an improvement on Monday. Loved it. And Jamie R said, it was very well done. Loved the way it used the situation for humour, doing what Corey does best. I actually enjoyed the focused cast combinations in the scenes. Was that the first dream sequence in Cry history? No. no. Apart from Vera appearing at the time of Jack's death. Oh, we forgot about that one. That wasn't a dream. Was that, like, that was more like a hypoxia-induced hallucination. Or a ghost. <laughs> Take your pick. I've seen a few people, not just John, saying they really didn't like Monday's episode. And I, I didn't feel that at all. Well, we had some harsh criticism on the Facebook We group, did, we did. But they could be quite 
harsh about everything. Well, so can we, so can we. I'm... Oh, yeah, I think it's great. We've uh, got to have some people d- with different opinions. I really like this week's curry. Right, anyway, fangirlovaload123's messages from this week say, Abby, Seb and Kevin had so little to do this week, it makes me wonder what their storyline last week was for. I really hope Yasmin will be okay. I wasn't expecting that. Sarah finding out about Adam and Laura was such a satisfying scene. Daniel is such an idiot. He's paying all this money for a prostitute he's not even sleeping with, even though he has a baby. I'm definitely ready for Gary and Rick mystery to be done, so I hope Brian and Bertie are the key. Bernie. Bernie. <laughs> Bertie Bertie's is going to be like, the one. What's that? <laughs> just got to learn Rick's to talk, and I'm going to tell everybody. You did it. It was him. <laughs> Aggie's story seems like it'll be interesting next week. I want to round off the review by saying I wasn't expecting coronavirus to be tackled so directly, but it was handled considerably well, all things considered. Catch of the week is Yasmin, but as the Yasmin story was the only one I really liked, I give it two and a half singers in the Spice Girls out of five. Half. Two and a half, and I gave it four and a half. You're making me question whether I should have given it four and a half now. Don't forget, if you want your vote to be registered in the tally, you need to join our Facebook group to vote there because all the votes... Again. I don't get my score from anywhere else. Yeah, that's just the, the Facebook only... group. Yeah, poll. so if you don't have Facebook, I do like two and a half I singers and the Spice Girls or something to score it out of there. Yeah, who's that's the half Spice how Girl? Many there are. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's my go. Is it? It is right. your go to read okay. out what Chris has Chris, got to say. Chris has sent in a provocative email. He said, "I thought you raised some interesting questions last week. Provocative for thinking. I mean, <laughs> 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 it's not a sexy email." <laughs> I don't read those out. <laughs> Chris says, I thought you raised some interesting questions last week when you were discussing the character Maud Grimes, a wheelchair-using character, the able-bodied actress who played the role, and whether the current in the current climate, the producers would feel compelled to employ someone with a genuine disability. In your excellent interview with the Hez, she suggested that she probably wouldn't accept the part of Haley, a trans person in this day and age, but I can't imagine there would have been anyone who could have played the role any better than Julie did. I can't imagine anyone else in the role had she turned down the job in 1998 we'd have missed out on 16 years of one of the most memorable funny astute poignant and moving depictions of a character who ever appeared in a soap shouldn't producers always audition candidates and make a selection based upon how they perform rather than their physical disabilities sexual identity or life experience it's called acting and that and that's always meant people pretending to be who they're not and pretending to be what they're not. The film Scent of a Woman featured a blind character, expertly played by Al Pacino, an actor with 20-20 vision. Matt Damon appeared in a film called The Martian, though I suspect he's not really an astronaut. And I thought I was been... going to say, I suspect he's not really from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and there have been countless musicals that featured a cast of tone-deaf actors that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, and sports movies with non-sporting thespians in the title roles. Obviously, when it comes to the depiction of identity and sexual preference in this industry is quite rightly seen as a more sensitive issue but I've heard it suggested that as well as only trans people being hired to play trans characters straight characters shouldn't really take on gay roles if we follow the path to its logical conclusion and are not to be hypocritical then gay actors will not be permitted to play straight characters and who does that benefit sorry to have only a tenuous link to Corey itself on this email but the podcast got me thinking this is a very not just a hit hot topic I know there was a massive, there was a massive um, kerfuffle on social media probably last year about gay characters and who's allowed to play them and who, and I think quite a lot of characters who are um, actors who are gay said let's not even go there because we play straight people and I think mm. I don't I don't think that there's any issue with what sexuality you are. Does Shelley King talks about Rock Hudson famously? 
gay now we know that but at the time he was he was playing a st- straight yeah, a straight yeah, lead in yeah, romantic movies and things so i think that's totally a separate issue because the think the main problem is when you give a when you give the role of a character with a disability to somebody who's able-bodied you're taking that role definitely away from it from an actor somebody who is in a wheelchair cannot play an able-bodied person no that's the difference a straight person can play a gay person and, and a straight person and a gay person can play there's a very limited number of roles for people who have physical disabilities and yeah. if you start to give those roles to people who don't have those disabilities you, you're just making their even fewer roles for mm. people and and i'm sure that um transgender people have been you know well, sidelined and, and denied <laughs> well, jobs that's another thing as well because um there's a character there's another character in American Horror Story, um, Summer Camp. What was it called? Nineteen eighty, whatever. Nineteen eighty four, yeah. The 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 black lady. Oh yeah, yeah she yeah. is actually a trans woman, and I did I, didn't I did even, not know. No, and that wasn't pl- and the character wasn't. And she and she didn't play a trans woman. She played a woman. Yeah. And well, she could, it could have been trans. It never came up, and I think that was that was great the way they handled it. Mm. Doesn't need to come up if you're trans or not. It doesn't really. It shouldn't matter. I know that I know that um, Julie um, Hesman Hulse just mentioned about the fact that she wouldn't have taken the role on now. Uh, I, I I don't know. At the end of the day, I I, I agree. I don't think you. I don't. I don't think it logically makes sense to say that you're taking a role away from a trans woman when trans women can play women. Mm. I Do you see what I'm saying. I yeah. think it's almost insulting to say only trans women can play trans women. Because, I know it's, it's because we saw that character, that that actress. To me, she I. Mm. She was, she was a she's a woman. So. I know. It is. It is. You have to take it case by case. I think you do, and it's and definitely it, true it to say to, it's to do with the performance at the end of the day and the sort of person that they want for the role. Yeah, and, and the, the problem is when you don't create. This is the thing. None of this would matter if the if the number of roles that were created were enough that there were opportunities for people. And say when you when you're casting and you're like, right, we need somebody who is this, this, and this, and you exclude people who are, have disabilities. There there are certain roles obviously where you can't employ disabled actors to play somebody because the requirements are different. But sometimes you you like like casting anybody who's who fits the criteria like it doesn't if you're in a wheelchair fine then the character's in a wheelchair or whatever the disability is yeah within within certain yeah uh, restrictions that are obvious yeah i'm no expert but i would imagine that the the group of people that's that would find it hardest to get roles would be disabled people because there are so few disabled roles i I don't know so that I think so, so, I would say so, that that's probably the most important. I would say that, protecting roles for yeah, it's people. Yeah, about protecting them, isn't it? To 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 open up opportunities for people, but also making roles, mm. and also being the, a bit um, more open to employ people that have different. Shirley Houston's um, charity or organisation. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called now, but they they're all about getting roles for disabled well, people, aren't they? And getting them involved in the theatre. Twitter, they do lots of funny little skits and vignettes and stuff about experiences as as actors and and performers and what it's like i definitely agree with a lot of what you said and i definitely think that to me it doesn't really make sense to restrict roles be, on the basis of what people 
the, the gender identity and yeah, stuff I'm, is I, not. I, I I think when people say only gay people should play gay roles, I I I don't think that that's. I think I they're missing the point, and the point is that there should be there shouldn't be restrictions on what you can do if you're a gay person. Like mm. if you're gay, it shouldn't really matter. Mm. And I mean, looking at I mean uh, uh, Daniel on Coronation Street, like because because Rob Mallard's gay, yes. and he Daniel plays is straight. Yeah, and Daniel Strait. Well, there's... he's the one I was thinking of when I was talking about on Twitter because I definitely saw him liking quite a few tweets that were saying your gender, your, your sexuality has no bearing on what you're able to perform as an actor. Yeah. There's... It really is quite funny to me, the amount of actors who, if you look back, and even, even actresses, look back on the history and, and find out how many of them were gay but mm. play and had to pretend to be straight. And that's the most important... It's like, the important thing is now, you don't have to pretend anymore. You can be who you want to be. There should be more roles for more diverse people, but you shouldn't restrict roles to certain groups of people. You shouldn't say, right, this, this is a woman. We only, we only want cisgendered people to play this role. If a trans woman comes and, and plays a really, you know... Yeah, if, if her be that's good enough. Exactly. Same as if, yeah, if it's a cisgendered... But you can't, you can't do that with... I think disabled is disabled roles are a bit different. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But I'm not the expert. I just listen to what I see or or hear from people, and I can only you can only educate yourself by by hearing what other people in that situation say. And I think Sherry he- Sherry Houston is a really good person to follow because she has made me think about a lot of different things that I wouldn't have realised. Mm. And she had that that campaign on Twitter about taking taking the diss, taking the diss which was really good. Where she spoke because a lot of I think a lot of able-bodied She's people look at look around themselves and you say, well, there's a ramp, there's a space. When I go to the when I go to the shops, all of the all of the ones are disabled. I haven't got anywhere to park. Mm. X Y Z, and you think that you or you can see these things that have been made to help people and you think everything's fine and sorted out and it's better than it used to be then you read the stories on the taking the dish hashtag and you realize that it actually is just inconvenience after inconvenience and people not understanding and not being helpful and things aren't made you have to yeah i'm just rambling now but i thought that was a very interesting email Mm. Thank you for writing in. But I mean, but like equally, I said, I think that I can't imagine anyone else in the role of more Grimes other than Elizabeth Bradley because well, she was fantastic in yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, the role—if you were to cast it now, you would open it to people who were disabled. And if you couldn't get an actor that you felt fit the role, then hire somebody who makes who, me wonder whether they did, you know, audition any, you know, genuine wheelchair but users. Don't forget for the as role well. Back Grimes. in those days, probably people who were in wheelchairs or disabled felt that they wouldn't be you know mm. felt excluded and and maybe also there might have been restrictions for being able to get into the studio or yeah like now legally you have to make accommodations and yeah. and so people are a bit better at doing it but the way that disabled people get treated is still really bad yeah which is why it's important triple c is the name of the organization isn't it? i just thought about it Cherylise. what does that stand for oh don't Sorry. ask me that that it's, you... for, it's thanks to you know organisations like that that yeah. are helping disabled people. Best get thing to do more in the spotlight where they need to be, but but equally, it's not uh, you, you don't want people to be the token disabled person in programmes just so no. that they can say. But but like I said, opening the casting up it would be a way of getting around that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, for, like a really good example of that is 
Kate's girlfriend, is is it Izzy? No, uh, Imogen. Imogen, who had had um a half of her arm. Yeah. I don't know what that's called, but she she didn't have a hand, mm. and that was just she was that was just Imogen. Yeah, it, and I don't it think was, it ever. Uh, it might have been. It me. I think it might have been referred to, but it was never like this is a a problem. Literally, for me. It, was like, it wasn't matter. part of her character. They no. didn't. They didn't bang on about it. It's just but, that's how she was. But, you know, and, and Izzy is a really good example of, of a character where, again, you can use that as part of a storyline or it can just never be mentioned. Mm. And it, But again, it's like, for example, like with the Bailey storyline where you say, look, I really like the fact you've got a character from this group of people in the show, but I don't like the fact that that's all you ever talk about and mm. that we're more than just the issue that issues that we face in life. Yeah, We want to be just seen as normal and, and not have to address mm. our disabilities or... Um, the fact that we're a minority group or whatever. Mm. The fact we're not a straight, white, cisgendered man. <laughs> you men. Right, should we do that? We've got that one. Was a, that was an interesting, that's what I thought that's about an interesting discussion. Point. I was a bit scared when I read this and thought, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I don't uh, I think, think like... I think you're okay. Maybe a, maybe a little bit, but no more than oh, usual. Oh, we did get one more email from Russell this evening. He said... Um, he noticed something oh, no, in the is, shop today. So I noticed to over Brian's shoulder, someone has placed an advert in the cabin looking for a French polisher. Now, maybe it's just me, but French polishing is a slang term for a sex act. I wonder if this is just an in-joke among the crew or just an innocent coincidence. Oh, there's nothing in it. No innocent coincidence. I think all those signs in the cabin are very carefully put together. And if you go to the set door and have a look at them, there's some there's, there's some, some weird ones, aren't there? There there's are some ones about like pants ones. for sale and things like that. There's probably some really dirty ones that you can't read. I, I, I need to have a look. We took some photos of them, didn't we? But um, when we when we went there, but yeah, I I think that that was. I um, am shocked. Yeah. Although, if you do go onto the internet and search for French polishing, no French polish sex act. Michael. Then you might get a Google Translate for sex, for sex act from French to Polish. And what is, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask me to don't put me on the spot more Polish, Gemma. Right. I thought you were amazing at languages, you told me earlier, when so, you said, what was it? About face. What was it? Pole face. Vault- <laughs> what was it? <laughs> this is really bad sure again. Vault face. Pole face. No. <laughs> I taught you today. Have you, you can Google it yourself Volf- later. Vault face. Vault face. Volf, what is Volt it? Volt fast. Volt fast. It's a thing. All right, I believe you. you Russell, Russell, naughty, Even. naughty, naughty. Good Not, spot, though. Yeah. <laughs> Gemma. Yeah? Lots of people have contacted us this week, but other people might be listening saying, how but do I, I want them to know. I want them to read what out I what think. I think about Coronation Street <laughs> or Conversation Street. How do I do it? You can email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. You can find us at conversationstreet.podbean.com where we've got all the episodes we've ever recorded all there for you to listen to on your browser. And also you can find the different characters we've covered in our profiles and you can find all the special topics that we've covered, like French polishing. (laughs) Uh, I've not done a feature discussion on French polishing. We've got a YouTube channel where we upload things. Some of them are exclusive content. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We have exclusive intros. Video of the week. Yeah, video of the week. And... Including the Shelley King interview. We're on Spotify and Facebook. Don't forget, if you want to score the week, you need to go and join our Facebook group. Don't just go in there thinking that you're special and you can try and get in without answering the questions. You have to answer the questions and you have to answer them in a certain way to get in because it's a secret group. And we don't just let anybody in. 
because everyone's always trying to get in our group. You'd be surprised at some of the strange people we have trying to get in. Really? We have to decline a lot. There's so many, so many groupies. But we only let select people in. The questions are if not you, difficult. If you genuinely want, genuinely want to get in the group, then you get in the group. The, the questions aren't difficult. You'll be able to answer them. They're not. They're not knowledge based. <laughs> they're intention based. Oh, can we ask you to follow us on Twitter if you haven't followed us on Twitter as well? Because we're trying to get to six thousand in time for the sixtieth anniversary. Now later I this made year. a bold prediction at, in January that we were going to reach ten thousand. But I also said that twenty twenty would be the best year of my life. And both of those things are turning out to be wrong. Yes, but we could get to 6,000 by the end of the year, I think. So if you haven't followed us on close. Twitter, then do it. And if you've got a friend that likes Coronation Street that doesn't follow us on Twitter, then you tell them, please. Also, please, can you, if you like the show and you haven't done it yet, go and review us on iTunes. Five that's stars, great. Please. We like Lovely. that. And that's it. That is it, isn't it? And Patreon, did you mention Patreon? Oh, we've got a Patreon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we put up a new Patreon episode last week, didn't we? Our 11th bonus podcast oh, yeah, for we Patreon. Oh, yeah, we did it a year, yeah. We did our top five episodes from the 1960s last week. That was really That's, good fun. I that thought was that was a, was a really one. good episode that we did. Yeah. I think we've done... So, I'm really proud of some of the episodes that we've done. I, wi- uh, I wish everyone could listen to them. You need to join our Patreon if you want to get that bonus content. $5 a month and up, and you'll unlock 11 special episodes. You get other things as well. It's worth doing. I think, I think it's good. Um, you would say that. I think it's good. <laughs> so, why don't you do it? <laughs> um, but you don't have to. You don't have to. You support us just by listening or, like I said before, if you want to support the show but you don't have any spare money because I know that is very difficult out there. It's very tough for everybody at the moment. You can just follow us. You can react to us on twitter you can retweet That's what us most people you do, can tell people about the show you think might like it if you think there are people that would hate it keep it a secret from them we won't tell them because they're boring and that's it now yeah i think i'm done okay good thank you everybody thank you for listening thank you shelly king for coming onto the podcast to chat with me this week In our bonus episode charming lady and um that's it we'll be back next week for more conversation street to talk about what's hopefully going to be another exciting week of Cory. So we'll be boring back. time. We'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. And the music Bye. for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye.